Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds. The music that made us. Today I have a, a good friend of mine I have not, not hung out with. And we actually hung out last weekend when we, yeah. saw, we saw Bo. But I haven't hung out with you in a long time because I haven't worked to, with you and Moline like for at least three or four years now. Yeah, and COVID kept me from going out and doing anything like the past year or so. Yeah. so and for everybody, I and mean, that's been yeah. the, the roughest thing. But one thing I loved when we would work together was uh, we always talked about music. I mean, I would say like seventy percent of our conversations were probably about music. Yes. And uh, yeah, I do something to keep the time passing through. So yeah, you're definitely one of these people that loves music as much as I do, and I know that for a fact because of the conversations we've had. Um, so when do you remember when you first heard music? I was like probably everyone else growing up, like riding around in the car with your parents, things like that, kind of. Mm-hmm. When it first really took root, I mean. Uh-huh. Can you remember any of those songs like you uh, heard in the car that kind of like well, stuck out? Well, big thing is my dad was like really into the oldies. He, he was born in the early 40s, so it was kind of like, yeah. everything was like the 50s and 60s station in the car, so. Uh-huh. Like a lot of Elvis, a lot of like Supremes, like, nice. the, like the Phil Spector kind of sound, things yeah. like that. Yeah. Phil yeah. Spector just passed away a little while ago. You know, like he was a major, major influence yeah. on music. In yes. fact, um, Thursday was Harrison's birthday, and that All Things Must Pass album, Phil, Phil produced that album. Yeah, and he also initially did work on Let It Be, and then like they just really didn't like how bombastic it kind of was on. Yeah. His. So you had that music, you know, listening in the car and stuff. What music did you um, have around growing up? Do you know, remember, like, um, what was, like, the first album you got into or the uh, first song you got into? Well, it's kind of weird because I thought it was so sheltered musically, like, because that was pretty much all we would listen to in the car. I mean, yeah. obviously, like, kids of the 80s kind of grew up, and Michael Jackson's Thriller was probably one of the first albums I really kind of heard. Yeah. I mean, he didn't really many, buy many albums as a kid, obviously. How old were you when that came out? Oh, I would have been like two. I mean, it came out in '83, but yeah. like I mm-hmm. probably remember it like '86, kind of '87. Yeah, it was kinda. still really popular. Yeah. yeah, and then like bad and kind of everything else you did. Do you remember the first piece of music you bought? Probably like the first album I bought with my actual own money. Probably would have been like a Michael Jackson tape, but like mm-hmm. I was like a late bloomer in the alternative music. So like probably the actual first album I bought with my money was something like Sublime, kind of like yeah. We were obviously a really big band during the high school days. How, how old were you when you bought when you bought that or heard them? Uh, probably 16 so yeah, like yeah. so like kind of like they weren't obviously a big thing in the midwest i mean you had to be off yeah. on the west coast like because i thought like hey that was like their debut album like no they had like three or four albums before that yes. they were a real big influence on all these other punk and um rap acts 40 ounces of freedom is like obviously now listening like supremely better than that album but yeah. not many people in this era unless you were in those underground scenes at that time knew about it especially as prolific as music is now back then, uh-huh. you had to know people who knew about that. To yeah. Were you a fan that. before Brad died then? Uh, no, like I only found out uh-huh. about him like 97 or so. Okay. Like, okay. like he died in 96, yeah. so. Yeah. And he died like a week before the album came out, so yeah. it's kind of. Yeah, it's like one of those surreal things, you know. And I, they'll, Someday they'll be inducted. It'll be a while probably for them, but they'll definitely be inducted, I think. Yeah. They, I mean, they, made, a, they, made, a, they made a big enough influence, and I think now with all. I found out the other day with that whole thing, like a lot of the committees changed. Like I didn't know that Morello and um, Questlove and Dave are all part of that committee now, which that's a pretty big 
you know, like we were talking before here about Questlove and his musical interests, and I know we've had David Grohl, you know, conversations mm-hmm. before too, is that having those, like, those guys in there around our age and stuff are really important because that whole history of music needs to be paid attention to. Now, is there a bunch of people way before that are still not in there? I get crap from my cousin all the time that Harry Nilsson's not in there yet. I personally believe they could call it or should rename it the Music Hall thing. Was at this point, like, yeah, I know, Jay, I, like Jay Z may have that like rock star esque aura to him about being a rap star, but like nothing he's done has been like rock and roll. It's like, but he mm-hmm. and then Whitney Houston, who pop and R and B sensibility, they got in way before bands that uh-huh. are still struggling to kind of get their name out. Bands that have influenced mm-hmm. two, three, four generations of music still not in there at the moment. With this, I don't agree with you, and I heard a good comment that fueled that that statement of mine even further, and it was, okay, what were the roots of rock and roll? It was blues, but And country. Country. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, you know, Johnny Cash and Jerry Lee Lewis and, you know... um, but they Carl had Perkins yeah. and you know. But they also had like a rock and roll sensibility to them. It's uh-huh. like, it, but it's kind of hard like to say strictly they belong in rock and roll when they could have like a general music hall of fame as well. It's like it's kind of. I, I think it's you're a right. Weird name of yeah. how they have it. Yeah. I'm not saying they don't belong in a hall of fame, but to call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and then have. But here's the thing too: is that when they created that show, it was like what in the '80s. Yeah, like and hip hop was not getting the respect it deserved. Heavy metal wasn't getting the respect it deserved. To change the name, maybe, would be kind of interesting for them to do at this point. Because uh, then they'd be like, well, that was the name we had when we first started this. This is the reason why we're going to name it this. Because I do, I, I have to be honest, I like hearing, you know, all the hip-hop artists. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, me being a huge Beastie Boys fan. Um, I mean, obviously, Tupac had a major influence on hip-hop. Mm-hmm. Um, Biggie Smalls had a major influence. But then there's bands even before them that haven't got in there yet that need to get in there. Or, sorry, you know, hip-hop artists that need to get in there that haven't got in there. Tribe, at one point, I think definitely needs to get in there because Q-Tip, to me, you know, as far as you know, hip-hop and engineering goes, um, he definitely was a revolutionary with that. You know? Yeah, and, but in terms of like the beat, you said of the Beastie Boys, but they 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 were punk. They were punk, and yeah. like they actually did their own instrumentation. So it's uh-huh. you know, there's no easy answer, but it's kind of like how do you pick where one stops, one ends? Are you gonna yeah. and are, so, you, are you, you going to put Taylor Swift in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Like, she probably will. She probably be will be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because there's but, country artists that are in there. Yeah, yeah. But it's like. Where do you draw a line? What we consider pop. rock? I mean, it's like rock and pop. Yeah, and it's oh, just called yes. the, the music hall of fame. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's kind of well, disingenuous to say like, like somebody who's never picked up an instrument, and played it, or never even written anything on a conventional instrument yeah. could be considered rock and roll. I think they should actually. That would probably be a good little like nomination. I'm sure the purists that started that industry would be a little upset about it, but I think. I agree with that. The change the name on it would definitely open the door a lot more to um, acceptance, I guess, as far as the name goes. Because um, yeah, because there's bands out there that certainly deserve to be in there, but like yeah. since I wouldn't consider them rock, I think that mm-hmm. they shouldn't get in before another actual band that is in the rock genre. Not yeah, yep. In. And that's why bands like Rush and Kiss got in there. It was because of the fans. You know who runs Rolling Stone? Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Yeah, He's part of that committee. Yeah, Jan Winter was. It? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know he was part of that whole, you know, reasoning why and stuff. And um, but that the whole, now with the committee opening up, that's why you're seeing all these diverse acts get in there. Excuse me, they're a major influence and stuff like. And that. I think now, I think them letting the fans vote versus I think years ago when it was just the committee getting to. I think that's gonna level the playing field a little bit. But, it definitely uh, does. 
But I, but I, I, I got to say something about that because that's something I saw that's kind of sketchy in mind. I've voted before, and you know, I vote every year actually. The person that gets the win, I've never seen. I think Dave won one year. Dave Matthews man won, and they didn't get in. And I was like, that's weird. They won the 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 fan vote. Why didn't they get in? I thought to myself, you know. So because Dave was eligible a few years back, I remember. Yeah, because I think that'd be like twenty five years from your first release. But it's yeah. like there's artists who are forty years out, like who I as much as I love Dave Matthews. So yeah. forty years out hasn't made it and still gets it over Dave Matthews or should get it. Yes. Well, and I think that like this year, like when we saw the whole list, I should have brought the list over here. Okay. So Devo. Yes. As much as Devo's done for every genre, like they're not in, and you're gonna yeah. induct others ahead of them. Uh, Todd Rundgren, as I understand, it probably will make it at some point. I don't yeah. know if he will. New York Dolls. I mean, I'm not so familiar with their work, but apparently what they, they did, like glam, yeah, the yeah. glam, the glam rock yeah. aspect. Mm-hmm. The Go Go's, the first all female. They pop need group. that. I think for sure they will make it this year. And I'm shocked that Belinda Carlisle. Maybe she has made it in solo, but. Um, she might at some point, like years. But from I don't now. know if she's made it solo. Like she no, had, she, she, she had a bigger solo career than even with the Go Go's. Yeah, but they're 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 revolutionary. They they will get in as a band. I think it will be this year. Uh, Kate Bush. Yeah, I think she will get in at some point. Uh, she would. She was such a alternative music icon. For, and, the, the, and this one really kind of hurts. Like considering somebody else made it in outside of their group, but Tina Turner is not even in as a solo artist this year. It might. And it it might, should for her. Yeah. Because and she will this year because I think she's got that documentary coming on HBO too. Yeah. Have you seen that yet? I haven't. It's not been. out yet, but there's a preview out for it. I should requote that. Uh, but that's an unpopular opinion, maybe of mine. But like Fleetwood Mac totally belongs in. Stevie Nicks made it in solo, and Fleetwood Mac's in. Yeah, they did. But Stevie yeah. Nicks also got in as a solo. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. I, she had an okay solo career, but like she's mainly known as being the singer from Fleetwood Mac. So that's kind of like the no, case for no, you. I, uh, I have friends that are listening to this podcast, and I know <laughs> there's a girl right now that I know uh, <laughs> that is probably cringing that you're saying that, and I have to agree with her on that. Is that no? She was a major influence with a lot of women as far as uh, the music industry goes, and as far as like women listening to her music. Yeah. So that's why she got in. She was a major influence. But for like, Tina Turner too, I'm, I'm saying yeah, like yeah. she. I mean, she yeah. made it in with Ike and Tina in mm-hmm. her late '70s, early '80s. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. she needs to be. It would be nice to know why she was alive. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think she needs that validation, but it's, it's nice, nice to let her know. Oh, it's like there's so much love for her that she needs to see that. Yeah, and she's always been gracious about yeah. it. I think she would enjoy the honor. Me and a, a friend were talking the other night about um, biograph, bio, um, bio movies, and that that movie is a great movie with Angela Bassett and um, Lawrence yeah, Fishburne. Yeah, I never saw it, but I just remember it coming out in the mid '90s. Like that was so kind of like, good. But we were actually talking about that too. What is your favorite biopic movie? Do you have a favorite? That's a tough one. I mean, yeah. I don't think I've seen a whole lot that I can probably think about yeah. from the top of my head. But recently, I did see the Bohemian Rhapsody, which a Rocket Man uh, story about John. I thought it was a little better, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And they turned all his songs into a musical. That was like, you know, it's going to be a Broadway show at some point if it yeah. already is. And what I appreciate is, like in both those films, the artists actually did the singing. Like they yes. kind of didn't try and honey sugarcoat yeah. somebody else's voice. Who was so. that guy's name? I can't think oh, of it. Oh, Taron Egerton was. Yeah, probably. yeah, he's a great actor. And they, and they actually did and actually did a song. La Bamba, like I've seen bits and pieces. I mean, it's really good. good. I should have seen it. Uh, even though it was kind of a comedy, it was still a bi- yeah. It was like a Great Balls of Fire about Jerry Lee Lewis. Like, yes, with uh, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, That was a yeah. good one. Yeah. John, John Doe from X. And then what's his name, actually? Uh, before he was famous, now he's huge. Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Yeah, he was, um, he played, uh, what's his name? Jimmy he was, Swagger. Swagger, Who was yeah. his cousin, yeah. Well, he, but the reason I bring this up, this is a biopic I'm surprised they haven't made yet. And it's one of those movies, like, it has such a dramatic ending. 
the Marvin Gaye story. Like, I'm surprised they haven't tried to make that yet, because that guy, from the beginning of his career, like, with the Motown era, all the way up to, like, um, what's going on, to, like, his tragic death, mm -hmm. I mean, that that's a pretty dramatic movie. I think I've, I've heard stuff they've always wanted to make some, I just don't know why like, they have Oh, I'm I mean, sure that whoever gets behind it better do a good job. I mean, I think, like, movies like Walk the Line, that was the reason why that movie was such a great movie, was because it told the story, it told the truth, and it was a great story with, and they did their own singing in that movie, too. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm just wondering what they would do with, like, Marvin Gaye. Cause, I mean, he's still known in some musical circles, but, like, if you were to show somebody now, age, like, 20 to 40, they may not know mm -hmm. who Marvin Gaye was, like, what he did for music. I mean, I mean, he was he's a major influence on the community, you know, and I think that he definitely was a forefather to a lot of the soul and R&B that's out there. Right yeah, now. totally agree. But, I mean, but as far as, like, new fans knowing more about that, I mean, Queen's prevalent because you hear Queen every day in jingles. You yeah, you hear what's going like, on. You hear Mercy, Mercy Me. You hear you, I Heard It Through the Grapevine. I mean, come on, man. That's an iconic freaking song, you know? Yeah, you, but you would hope somebody younger, like somebody growing up as a teenager, maybe coming into, like, finding their musical yeah. awareness would pick Another up Another reason like, to have that movie out. Yes. Um, so, no, biopics, I think, are really important because, in a way, it's like a history lesson, you know, for music to me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to get that stuff out there, you know. Um, another thing I wanted to kind of loop around, too, that I was thinking about with his tragic death and everything like that was, because um, I'm looking at uh, a poster right now for Chris Cornell, is um, I read an article earlier this morning, not an article, but a post from somebody on um, Ten Club that was talking about um, he has a 10-year-old son that brought up the poster. He saw the poster hanging in his dad's house at Temple of the Dog, and had Andrew Wood on the cover of it. And she, he was like, who is that? So what, what happened to him? You know, why isn't he popular? Like, that, you know, a 10-year-old, you know? And, mm -hmm. and he found it to be a very difficult subject, so he wrote this little thing in the post that said, how do you explain things like Andrew Wood, Lane Stanley, Chris Cornell, Brad, um, who else am I, am I missing here? Oh, Kurt, Kurt, who Kurt just Cobain, passed away like, yeah. about a week ago. Or, yeah, it's like... How do you discuss that? I mean, how would you discuss that with somebody that was young? You know, it's a tough thing to do, man. It's hard. I mean, like, we yeah. had, like, maybe one or two of our parents' generation, but, like, of the big four grunge bands, there's, like, oh, one man. singer left. Yes. And that's Eddie Vedder. That's I mean, the, um, I mean he's, yeah. he's carrying the torch the best he can. I mean, he's... Yeah, I think he's humble enough to do that, too. You know, I mean, he they are huge. They are gigantic, but when they're together, they do great stuff, and then they do all their, all their stuff on their own. Every one of them have, like, projects I follow and stuff like that, and it's really, really good. And that's what I love about them so much, is that make really great rock and roll music, man. It's amazing how much shit they get, but it's just like U2 when they got huge. It's just like Foo Fighters when they got huge. Like, the minute you get to this, like, pinnacle, and you're, like, really huge and popular, you're so much easier to tear down, it seems like, when it comes to an artist. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. I mean, that people do that stuff? Yeah, I think it's looped around for Pearl Jam, too, though, because, like, at one time they were coming up having to write music mm -hmm. to please the fans, and they got big that they could write anything, sell, like, 50,000-seat arenas out. And, yeah. And then it's like, the, as it fell out around, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, I mean, they went just back to making music for themselves and the fans. I mean, the fans still come out, but, like, at this point, they don't care if they're selling 10 million copies of an album or yes. 10,000 copies. Uh-huh. They're just out there doing what they do the fans are still going to come I mean, yeah. they, they stay true themselves in that aspect but yeah. now you don't have to please labels you don't have to no. really please a machine it still yeah. works for them I mean, that's, and that's maybe why yeah. they've been around for 30 years now kind of doing what they're doing I mean yeah. they're not on the tips of their own tongue anymore I mean they'll mm -hmm. release an album somebody like oh this is a new Pearl Jam but it's like so every one of those songs from that album they had videos for. So on their their YouTube site they have a, they have a separate section that has all the videos from Gigaton environmental movies you can tell when you're watching it 
but I was thinking I saw that'd be great if they combined it all and put it on a, on a Blu-ray. I thought that platform's still out there on YouTube to where, you know, like in the 80s, that was a big thing, music videos, you know, and this is something else I found out this week. I don't know if you know about this yet or not, and I thought, oh, my God, like they're trying to actually do this stuff again, and it's really cool. Um, HBO Max is going to be releasing um, Yo! MTV Raps, Unplugged. Oh, I heard about that, yeah. And uh, Dave Grohl is going to have his own, like, little documentary on there with his mom and how his mom kind of, you know, nurtured him into, like, what he is now from his early youth. And to me, that's like... And she, that's, wrote, and she wrote a book, apparently. I haven't read it. That's what it's based on, actually. Yeah, it's yeah. like, but... And she's been around for him, like, constantly. Like, and, like, he's, he's brought up on stage, like, sing at concerts and mm-hmm. just be there. It's like... That's another reason why I respect him so much, man. He doesn't... He's very humble, and he doesn't forget his about his... You know, that's his part of his roots. Uh, I know you play guitar a little bit. How long have you been playing guitar? I picked it up, actually, when I was in college. Like, I was kind of a late bloomer on the guitar train, so now it's probably been a total of 20 years, but I really only got serious, like, the past five to ten years. I kind of picked it up, I'd put it down. I mean, yeah. self-taught, so self-taught by my first five or ten years, so I kind of hit that wall and then started taking lessons from a friend who's in yeah. a band in the area. When you self-taught yourself, how did you learn? On the, on, online. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of yeah. learn stuff online. There's a lot you can learn, but, I mean, there's a lot... You could be being taught wrong. So, I mean, I would totally recommend getting out and getting lessons. Bo and both uh, Dustin from Ten Leaves said that in my previous podcast about how they would take the videos and learn. But uh, I think Bo was talking about how one of them talked about how they had some little bit of lessons and how that helped out with them, too. Yeah. And, I mean, just knowing kind of like the bits and pieces. I mean, I actually took time to study theory, mm-hmm. which sometimes lessons don't make you do. But, I mean, so it gives you yeah. a little better concept of like why what you're playing sounds good and why when you're playing it not right it doesn't Uh sound well and sometimes how the two can intermix like Uh you make your little Bob Ross happy mistakes in songs that shouldn't sound good but they do yeah well that's the thing too it's like it's like a self-discovery and that's what makes your art in that aspect you know is that is those little like not doing it exactly the way you should be doing it yeah and I mean it helps better too like I didn't I went into lessons finding out things I knew or didn't know I was not doing right but then also meant that whoever was teaching me they didn't have to start from scratch. I knew a lot of what was going on. I just needed a little fine-tuning to kind of yeah. get it picked up. Do you do you feel like it came easy to you, or do you feel it came pretty difficult? First, it came hard. I mean, like, obviously, you're, am I doing this right? You're kind of watching videos. You're kind of... Earlier days of the Internet, we're now, like, you go on YouTube and find 10,000 videos. Back then, yeah. you had to search for quarter charts or tabs and then just kind of work around with it. Like, Have you thought about doing anything with that, or is it more just a fun hobby for you? I mean, I'm always open, like, if anybody uh-huh. out there listens eventually wants to get out and jam. I, mean, and I think you should point. do it more. I mean, that's that's one thing I've been trying to do with, like, a lot of the people I've been talking to when it comes to this is that do it. Just do it for fun, man, because you to find your little niche or your little thing to do as a hobby, I mean, sometimes your hobbies turn into things, but sometimes it just turns into a good time hanging out and stuff, yeah. too. And yeah, that, that's a lot about what it is, just kind of, yeah. kind of making friends and just... Exactly, man. Getting to know people outside of your little bubbles. You yeah. know? And it does make it hard with everything that's going on right now and everything. Can you remember, like, when, at what point you started to get that music bug, the time, that time when you noticed that you just started eating it all up, you just started picking up on everything and started just, it started fueling your life? Well, probably in, like, high school. I mean, I lost my dad at a fairly early age, so it's kind of like... Oh, just, I'm sorry. It, it's right. it, was kinda, it was when I was 16, going on 17 in, like, high school, so it was kind of, like, yeah. just learning to just cope. I mean, just, just like, turned to, like, a lot of music, like, bought a lot of albums, just kind of started getting in the bands at the time. I mean, yeah. 
everything from like punk rock to like Oasis, The Verve, kind of yeah. things like that, kind of like. And that's why I think I like connected to you so quickly when we sort of started talking, because you are one of the very few people that love Oasis as much as I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, they to me are like during the whole '90s, they were like the most like all the grunge stuff was going on, all this other stuff was going on. To me, when I discovered um, definitely maybe. That album was like, holy shit, this album is so awesome. It has these great harmonies and these great guitar chords. But Noel, to me, is like one of these guys that does not get enough of the fucking respect he should get. Oh, he does. And, uh, and weird enough with like Oasis, like the album that got me in was Be Here Now. It's like they're throwing yes. one in, but it's just a weird album to like get into. And then he kind of takes steps backwards, kind of working back to their earlier stuff. But like, yeah. That album, like... I mean, it's a product of its time. I mean, I kind of discuss if I find people commenting on it, but yeah, a lot of cocaine, just a lot of ego <laughs> on that album. I mean, yes. loud, long. I mean, yes. it could be stripped back 50%, it, and it probably would have been like, like an epic, their best album. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's still a great freaking album. I have a big poster of that somewhere, too. But yeah, no, but don't you think, like, there, there was, like, think about all those bands that were out there. Blur was another yes. band I kind of got too late, like, I mean, kind of had to pick a side. I never did because it was like Blur versus the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blur being like later day Beatles. Like they went out and tried different things. Like Oasis just wanted to be like the 70s Stone. They just wanted to stick with rock. I mean, you can like the Beatles and the Stones, but yeah. I mean, I obviously like the Beatles a little more just for how yes. experimental they got. Yes. I mean, but it doesn't mean I like Blur yeah. over Oasis yeah. in that. Exactly, and I'm the same exact way. And then to have Damon go and turn into Gorillaz, just that amazing freaking project, dude. It was mm-hmm. just, it's, it's, it's awesome. And then they got they got the band back together with Blur. Band. I, I mean, know. they put something yeah. out a couple years ago, like, yeah. but... It didn't get the attention that a Gorillaz was, which was really strange. You thought that, wow, this reunion's going to make, you know... But I maybe mean, it was different here than it was over there. I don't know, but... Well, because towards the end, like, Blur... Because, like, their last album before their hiatus was more of, like, a Gorillaz... Gorillaz yeah, B-side yeah. album like uh-huh. I, never, I didn't really get that much of a listen to that because that's after like their guitarist left the band yeah that is one thing I noticed too is that there is like Rolling Stone and Beatles people there, there, there's a lot of um, people that despise Beatles and how huge and popular they are it's kind of like I was telling you earlier do they suck because you just don't like them because they're really popular or because you really don't like them Rolling Stones was like just straight rock and roll that was something that they kind of, kind of. I think when the Beatles broke up, and then the Stones had the, their whole seventies. Like those albums in the seventies, the Rolling Stones, were some of the most groundbreaking rock and roll albums that are out there. Seventy nine and like eighty one, maybe after like Tattoo You, like mm-hmm. they just kind of fell off. And just they kind of did like the Paul McCartney thing. They can tour around what they wrote the past forty years before that, but mm-hmm. they still might write decent songs. But like people aren't paying to write to hear your new songs. They want to yeah. hear what you wrote fifty years ago. And like if the Beatles were still around today. As much as I love the Beatles, that would still be the case. I'd still buy their albums, but yes. I'd go to their concerts expecting them to play like just the mm-hmm. greatest hits. I don't want to hear yeah. 20 new songs. I just want to hear, like... When you went and saw Paul, um, have you seen him before that? I saw him, uh, yeah, I saw him here when he came to Moline, and I saw him in 2015 at Lollapalooza. Yeah. He blew us, I'm just going to play two or three new songs, I'm going to get back to playing the stuff you want to hear, like... That's what he loves to do. I read, I read an article on that. It's yeah. like, to him, that's what it is to him, is like making sure that everybody has a great time. You hear a band, you love the new album, like, they're going to play two new songs and play nothing but greatest hits. And then you hear a band, like, terrible new album, but they want to play, like, 15 new songs. <laughs> they want to play, like, three, three old ones that you like. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's trying to, I think it's just trying to find the happy balance. I think yeah. bands like the Foo Fighters, Green Day, like, Pearl Jam, 
Yeah. They, they try and find their common ground between yes. pleasing, pleasing the masses and trying to get the diehards. Yeah. We talked about this before we started now talking, is that uh, my brother went to the Moline show, and he was excited to go see him, and then after seeing that show, he was just like, what the heck? I'm, I'm, my brain's my brain, what was the whole album they played for that? Oh, uh, No Code. No Code. And my brother, who had no idea about that album, was obviously disappointed, but to where the fans were like, yes, you know, we love this, you know. When you're to somebody like that that was just going to see them for the first time, it's like, what the heck is this? You know, they're playing the whole freaking No Code album, you know? But it's like a 13-song album. I think that show was like 34, 35 songs for a set list. So, yeah. I mean, they're still playing a fantastic amount of stuff yeah. like you know. I yeah. mean, And to where my brother-in-law was like, he, he thought it was great, you know, and awesome. Um, but I am convinced, and I will take him to another show. Like, I would love to do another Wrigley show and take him to that because... You know, see that they have this other side. Um, what I was going to loop back around to, what, I, I have a favorite Rolling Stone song, and that is uh, Can't You Hear Me Knocking? Probably, to my opinion, you know, and I'll have hundreds of arguments, and you can email me, and <laughs> you can message me and tell me I'm fucking crazy. That, to me, is one of their best songs they ever wrote. And the reason for that is because it's a long, it's a longer song. It's a well-structured, really good rock and roll song. And it's probably because I love jam bands so much, because in the middle of that song, there's a great good guitar solo by Keith, and there's a great little jam interlude with, like, um, bongos and stuff like that. It's just... I remember really getting into it when uh, the movie Blow came out. Yeah. It was in that soundtrack. But then I was like, this whole album is really good. What I guess I'm getting at with that is that, do you have a favorite Rolling Tones song? Yeah, probably like a tie between two. I mean, like this kind of goes back to obviously listening to the oldies radio as a kid and my dad, but uh, big ones like Paint It Black was probably the first one. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's just like a really kind of menacing song. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Goodbye Ruby Tuesday is like just another one. Like Just yes. like the drums and the quiet parts and it goes into like the chorus and go back. And they're amazing to be able to still be out there doing that because they love, that's what they love to do when people give them crap because they're raising themselves, they're doing it. And that's what you know and that's what you do and you do it day in and day out. It's like saying, hey, we don't want you to do what you love anymore because you're old now. It's like, no, they're going to keep on doing it. They're keep on selling out places and they, they're having fun doing it. And to me, that's like, you know what? Do it until the day you die, man. Do it until the day you die. That's what I hope for any band. My, my only downside to that would be like, if you can tell a band is not hitting the notes or just not mm -hmm. meshing as a band. Like, if they're firing yeah. off cylinders as a band, go see them. But like, if you're not, if you're only getting like 50% of what they were even like 10, 15 years ago, like you got to be able to deal with it. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. pay. I don't want to pay $200 to see Paul McCartney just phone it in. Like Paul McCartney got yeah. there and played for three hours straight. Yeah. If he was phoning it in, just like I don't want to be here. I'm just kind of like you can tell yeah. like when the songs come up in the set list. I mean, yeah. he he has that show so well rehearsed. He could be phoning and you wouldn't tell, but like some bands, they just go out there, they're out there for the paycheck. I mean, it's kind of yeah. like... And you know who they are. And it's just going to happen, man. Their voice is going to go. It's like when I went and saw Willie, his voice is gone. But I had this... It's like you're seeing an icon. You know, you're seeing somebody that revolutionized a whole yeah. genre of music. You're like, I, I get to see history here. This is part of history right Which here. is why I need to see Springfield, because, like, I lost my petty chance, and I like Spring, Springsteen. Sorry, Springsteen, yeah. this is one of the big ones I need to see. Yes, so. and I saw him. It's I've like, seen him twice, and um, I got to meet the E Street Band one of the times I saw them when it was in Denver. And to me, like, they are a live freaking show, man. They... They're another one of those, yeah. You, they, that's is what it's all about, and this is what it, you know. And then if we go back to what we were talking about earlier, like, I want to see surprises. Like, Bruce Springsteen, like, I would probably a lot. He's just one of those guys, like, somebody holds up a sign, 
play this song off your first album like he hasn't played in 20 years like okay I don't think we know and then he'll just rip into it like he's yeah. just really the guy doesn't go out there with a set list like he'll just see somebody holding up a sign in the crowd like okay we're gonna play this like yeah. one two three yeah. and it's like, <laughs> you know, I, I read an interview because like a couple years ago Tom Morello toured with the band uh-huh. like, I think I know what you're talking about and he, he, per, he just had a story it's like he's like I'm pretty good like getting the feel but like touring with Bruce taught me new appreciations I'd be up there on stage and somebody and Bruce would look at me like, we're going to play this song. It's like, I didn't rehearse this. Like, he has to, like, pick it up on the fly. Mm-hmm. And it's it like, teaches you this whole other thing to appreciate. I mean, that, that, that's the thing. Like, I've been going to these jam nights. Sometimes I kind of fall behind me. Like, it, you have to think on your feet as a band. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think Bruce kind of enjoys it. Like, even at 70, he's just mm-hmm. out there doing stuff like that. And it's, it's just, great. It's so yeah. great. I listen, actually, he's got a podcast that's out now that came out this week. And then Tom Morello was on Howard Stern this week, and I listened to both those things. And Bruce goes into his whole how he came up with his songs and stuff, which is really cool because hearing about how he came up with My Hometown just is like, wow. And then um, Tom Morello talking about what you just talked about in that interview with Howard. And then, like, he would cover, like, different, like, popular rock songs and stuff like that, too. Like, now in this era and stuff. And it's just like, Tom was, like, blown away that he wanted to do modern music and stuff, too. I mean, granted, like... But Bruce Springsteen's stuff is like three or four chords, so like you can pick up on it fast. But just to be able to have to be locked up with the band that knows what they're doing, it's like that's yeah. just kudos to like Tom Morello. But just it's yes. just uh, to to have him like I was saying earlier, but in the Rock and Hall Fame with you know committee, um, they'll eventually get in. Rage will get him in. They you know being such a huge band they were, and Tom Morello at one point will be in there himself. It might be 10, 15, 20 years from now, but to go from you know Rage. To audio slave, to me that that audio slave man, with Chris was just like, wow, that's just straight rock and roll, and they're you know they weren't trying to be anything else but that when they played the, when they when they made those songs and stuff. And, you know, that came along at the right time for them. But yeah. I mean, I think it kind of but it kind of proved that Rage was just more than Zach, and that Chris was more than just Soundgarden. But at the same time, those guys yeah. both needed their bands because yes, because you hear about this. Lawsuit. I don't want to go into it because we could talk about it all day long yeah, about yeah. Chris Cornell's estate. Wife. Chris Cornell wouldn't have been Chris Cornell without the guys in Soundgarden. And yes. they wouldn't have been the guys in Soundgarden without Chris Cornell. So yes. it's like, she shouldn't feel slighted by what they're saying, but at the same time, they, yes. they needed each other to work just like Rage needed them to work. That's yeah. why... She's obviously making a lot of money off of him right now. Yeah. And, um, and like, that's no disrespect, and I don't mean that in any bad way. No. That is it's continuing continuing his legacy is what it is. You're continuing his legacy, and his legacy to me is the most important thing. But his legacy too should be the three remaining guys who actually played with him. Yes, they shouldn't be like oh they were just side players. Chris Cornell may have came up with lyrics, but did, how many of those guitar parts did he write that Kim probably actually came yeah. up? With? You'd be surprised that Chris was, created he, Chris he, created a lot of it. He was, but yeah. just to say no. that those three guys were just the hired players in the Chris Cornell project. It's like yeah. it's. And just in short, like yeah. I'm saying, like they were both like Audio Slave and Audio Slave and uh, every other band like that. Yeah, they yeah. they were the good meeting of Rage and Soundgarden, yes. but they will never be the two halves that they came from. But yeah. uh-huh. but they just proved that they could do something outside of their bands, but they yeah. actually needed their front man for both bands to exactly to do what they're doing. So exactly. Like, so, like and that's what I love about and side projects like, and different things. Because anybody was even saying like props to Rage, like. Yeah, you get the guys together with Chuck D and Be Real instead of Zach Del Roca. It was like, well, it sounds like Rage, but it's not Zach. It's like yeah. it's kind of yeah. like 
they're out there doing their thing, but ultimately you're never going to come back to like the actual band you love. You know, yeah. it's like but oh, we, like, <laughs> them and system, but like yeah. system's another story. Yeah, the, the and him and drummer situation. Him and Surge and Tom are huge friends. They actually uh, do a lot of stuff together. And if you ever get a chance, listen to Howard Stern. He talks a little bit about that. How often do you practice? I mean, it, it's kind of hard sometimes working like 40 to 42, 43 hours a week. But, like, I try and sit down for a half hour, hour a day. I mean, just kind of noodle around. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I definitely could be a lot better of a player if I sat down and had, like, a concrete. I'm going to go in with this lesson. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come with that lesson. But, I mean, yeah. a lot of it, because, like, the reason I stopped taking lessons partially was before I had my surgeries a couple years ago was just yeah. to kind of, A, save money just because I didn't have time to get out and do things. But you just have to come in knowing what you want to do and where you want to end but there gets to be a point where like you go to lessons and the only thing that's going to teach you anything is actually playing with people which is kind of why I stopped them go to these jam nights now but yeah Yeah. like it's like moving back to that sitting back and I sit down I'll jam out to a song kind of work out chords I mean it's just it's hard I mean by trying play for at least a half hour a day if I can makes you appreciate probably a lot more other musicians and stuff too that pick up that that craft and just are how amazing what they can do with that instrument well like like i said we were out last week when we met up for that first time in a couple mm-hmm. months like we saw like that a friend of mine i've got to know him like levi who i've said he may have to mm-hmm. reach out to like kids 24 and just like phenomenal guitar players like yeah yeah it's like and like he's been playing probably like who knows since he's like 15 16 it's like uh-huh. me even after i'm pushing 40 now haven't played 20 years like i'm not that good like i think it's just those lessons you learn as a kid yeah you pick up a lot faster i mean like and that, that to me is like i i love that 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 to me is like watching somebody take an instrument and just just blow you away with it it's like know? even like as decent as i think i am now like i mean there's somebody's always better than you at a playing the way i play now like 10 years ago me watching me play i would have been like holy hell like that guy can play it's like <laughs> but I, really self-conscious about my playing it's like i'm like okay i sounded okay i was all right but like, everyone's like oh you sounded good it's like it's hard sometimes to get confident as a player yes it's like so you gotta wonder like if you're talking to like a tom morello or you're talking to a dave Grohl, like eh, it was probably all right it's like yeah maybe they're noticing their mistakes inside when they're not actually there or yeah. you just can't discernibly pick up on them but it's yeah. like i know i'm never going to be gary clark but i have at least a, p- a point to get to but, <laughs> but, I, but i also think like those players like Mike McCready, like a lot of the lesser oh, ones, yes. like you sound like okay, Grace was like, "Hey, thanks, man." Like they wouldn't be like, "Oh my God!" Like I'm the the hot shit guitarist. Like I think yeah. they're just out there. They play to what the song needs. Yeah, they have fun. That's yeah. what it comes down. And to. I, that's what I'm yeah. saying. It's like I think people who overblow their skills, like, "Hey, look at me with their playing." I mean, if you see those guys, like you'll see them a dime a dozen going to like a guitar center. It's like, oh, they're playing like Rastals on a Saturday night. Like you can yeah. be a how to ask guitar player like an ego but like that's not gonna get you anywhere with like reaching fans it's like all about that playing to what's not there like yes don't overplay a song like sometimes you just play two little notes over a two little notes over a chord progression yeah that has bigger impact than just firing away i mean yeah all those guys you saw playing in a guitar center mm-hmm. were able to get record deals on their talent just yeah. been there yeah. like you would see but it's like that's just not uh-huh. playing fast is not what gets you mm-hmm. what you need I think it's determination, and I think it's um, style. Determination and style. Like, if you got your style, like, like here's here's a good example. It's like, what was that name of that movie with, um, a documentary with White Page and... Um, oh, it, it May Get Loud, yeah. I think. Yeah, like, something. there's three different guitar styles there, okay? Then you got, like, Tom Morello. He's got his own guitar style. You have 
all these different guitar cells, and if you listen to them and you just listen to the music and you didn't know who it was, you could, I know you, like me, would be able to go, that's who that is, that's who that is, that is who that is. So I think it is like you have your style, but then you have your determination. Like, I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing, what I'm doing, what I'm doing. And none of them are like conventionally flashy players. Like, they're just playing a couple chords, like, they're just doing little note lead, couple note leads. They're not really, Mm -hmm. they're not really playing like. Blistering speed mode. They're not like they're, ne- no. they're, ne- they're never going to be in like Iron Maiden or oh, Megadeth. Yeah. yeah, I mean like blues on the level is the easiest music you can play, but just getting that feel out of the music is one of the hardest things. I mean, there's just artists that just can't play blues. Yeah, even though it's like three chords and just like a box of notes, like six notes you can play. Oh come on, like, exactly. And I'm going to transition to this. And then another really cool conversation is that you know I talked to you earlier was that I'm a huge um, Eddie Van Halen fan and it's because he in my opinion had revolutionized a whole genre of sound and he made a lot of people you know popular because of what they did but the greatest thing for me to hear recently that I'm looking very forward to that's not out yet that I know you probably are too is the Van Weezer album that's going to be coming out Rivers like tribute in a way to like to Eddie you know yeah which is kind of weird because I mean growing up like Van Halen's never been like my band or my no. guitar hero, but yeah. I mean, I, I'd be more wanting to play guitar like Rivers Cuomo, who wanted uh-huh. to play more like Eddie Van Halen. So maybe he's an inspiration to me that way. Exactly. But like, Eddie Van Halen was a hero to like so many of my fellow guitar players, and like my drummer friends when Neil Peart passed away. It's like, yeah, those two particular musicians. I'd rather hear like Taylor Hawkins on the drums, or I'd rather yeah. hear like uh-huh. Rivers Cuomo. I mean. I can appreciate what they did for the bands that I love, but like I yeah. just never saw Eddie Van Halen as my guitar hero. Like he yeah. did some and that's cool me. stuff. That, that was me. That was my generation growing up, though. Too. That's what the difference is, and and that's one thing I can appreciate is that that person influenced that person, that yeah. influenced that person. Because you and were go ahead. Oh, I was because you you were more of the Van Halen. I was more like the Van Hagar. Yes. Kind of. yeah. But what no, I love both of those bands. I love both both before and after. They, they to me, I'm a huge and like I, yeah. I can dig his playing, but like I'm not gonna like go home tonight and just pick up the guitar and maybe start slamming Van Halen. Or if I did, it would just be maybe yeah. like the latter 90s, like more of their mainstream rock. Because, I mean, I love yeah. just like that. But it's going going on forever. you got to think about Jimmy Page and Eric Clapton and how Muddy Waters and, like, you know, um, a lot of those blues artists that, you know, influenced them, you know, getting all those albums overseas and them growing up listening to that music influenced the whole British invasion, you know? Like, that blues guitar music influenced the whole British invasion. Yeah, cause Just like Eddie Van Halen influenced a whole genre of people. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, we can go back to the Beatles. Like, I always thought the Beatles influenced bands like the Pistol- Sex Pistols, the Ramones. I mean, yeah. they were writing two-minute pop songs with three chords. I mean, they uh-huh. just had a little over overdrive to it, and all of a sudden you have bands like... A little more aggression, a little bit, uh, you know? But, like, now it's like... And here's the thing about the Ramones and the Sex Pistols. Like, today they'd be called posers by people who are so-called punks. It's yeah. Like, it's become a whole thing. It's like, their pop punk is Green Day today. It's like, you can't say, like, the Sex Pistols were ever, like, uh-huh. so punk it hurts. It's like, no, they were an image. They, yeah. They wrote okay songs, but like they were just yeah. But well, then you have people like the Clash show where Joe was very political. Joe was a very political artist, you know. And yeah. he, you know, and he, I mean, that, he branched out. Like he just yes. wasn't like this is an image. It's just us singing about what we think needs to be, needs to be heard. Yeah. If you didn't, if you didn't wear like a leather jacket with spikes to it to a Clash concert, if I just showed up in t-shirt and jeans, I wouldn't get judged by the fans in the room. Like if I showed up wearing like khakis and a polo, I'd be looked at. Where it's like, no, you can like music. You don't have to follow. A, were the forebears like the Sex Pistols? Who were the forebears like? Then you have bands like Blink One Eighty Two. Oh, they're not punk. Like yeah. Blink One Eighty Two had released that song in nineteen seventy nine. You would have went for it as hard as the Sex Pistols because they have yeah. the same kind of like poppy bounce to it. Yeah, yeah. It's like same three chords. Yeah. I mean, there's only so many ways you can arrange them, but it's like, and there's 
like I said, yeah, it's just one of those things where... Well, that kind of brings me up my next question, then. What genre did you fall into first? What was the first genre? You're like, I love everything to do about this genre. Well, probably in high school, like, especially because, like, obviously listening to the oldies when I was growing up, but, like, in high school, it probably was more just, like, pop punk. It was stuff, like, lit and 311, like, because they were kind of the thing, like, yeah, supply, yeah. and, like, another one kind of later, like, towards my senior year of high school, like, Ben Folds 5, and, like, the Verve kind of real just... Yeah. Atmospheric kind of. Who was that last one you said? The Verb, like when they. Oh when yes, they, yes. Like they had like their three or four albums into America, like yeah. like Urban Hymns is still like start to finish. Oh, like, I have that, and it's oh my god, Richard Ashcroft was just you know he's one of those guys you know. And he's one of those guys, but he's also one of those guys that's with another guy like that in his group. Yeah. They, they can't get along. It's like yes, and that happens a lot. That's the hardest thing. It's like, like two ego gets in the way sometimes. Yeah, they're two absolutely genius players. It's like. One like that, but like they're another band that should come back together, and they, they probably will eventually. But well, like the Smiths, you yeah. know, the Smiths were the same way. I mean, I would love to see them on tour, but even if you just have to release an album, like because you can't be in the same room, just record your parts, put it together. Yeah. Talking heads, you can do. all members still alive, never will be back together. Not that I don't disrespect David for that, you know. But I think David does great music on his own. He yeah. does amazing music well, on his own. But to, to, but to see like the Talking Heads live again. How would that blow you away, man? Or does, does Tina want to? It's, it's things like that. All of them, I think, would do it in a heartbeat. I think it does come down to David. You had a kind of question. It's like maybe just David just feels like the talking heads, like as it were, was him and it story, is. Just like 40 years ago. Yeah, and that's it's the like, thing. Just, that's my, that is a chapter in my life. It's just like the police and Sting. You know, I mean, Sting and police got back to a couple different times. But Sting can do everything on his own. He can make music on his own. And then people are talking about, like, when we go back to Weezer, people are talking about Weezer. It's like... I can listen to a Weezer album, like, four or five tracks. It's still a good album. I mean, it's not going to be like their Blue album. The guy's 50 years old. Like, he can't be out there today at 50 writing songs like he was at 20. I'm just talking about lyrically. People want to have him still be the... They're not going to resonate maybe like the Blue album. It's like, that's like the whole David Byrne. Like, if he's uh-huh. 70 now, like, just... He have like the same things he's doing as he was when he was thirty. Have you listened to that new album yet? Uh, no, I need. And uh, to me, it's like the one of the best things they've ever done. And it's because well, yeah, their last couple albums had fantastic stuff on. Well, not to say any of those albums are. I'm just like blown away again, is what I'm saying. I was listening to it on the way home from when I was seeing my mom, and wow, just the lyrics to some of the songs. But then you have those people like obviously they're, they're not the fans of that, but like the yeah. like the the purists and like the fanboys like in the in the post that say. Well, they should have stopped making albums 25 years ago. It's like, like I said, that's where it comes back to my argument. It's like, yeah, they're not going to be like start to finish great, like up and down albums, but they're still writing really good stuff. Yeah. When you say you like something, then it's like, they look at you like, you like that? that? Here's a good example. Taylor Swift, dude. Mm. The last two albums, dude. Now I'm a fan, you know? Interesting enough, because like at work, like we heard a lot of music. I still do. Like her stuff from like 1989, I really kind of started to flip. It's like, like uh-huh. style, like well, what's his stuff name? Like Who that? produced that with her that album? I'm the guy from Fun. Well, she had a whole bunch of like Max Martin did it, yes, but then yes, uh, yes. Jack um, Atkinoff or yeah, something like that. Atkinoff, yeah, like, yeah, Atkinoff. There you go, you got it. Yeah, but yeah, uh, um, I need to hear these last. So she worked with the guys oh, from the National on it. That and then Bon Iver and then just you know, I'm just like blown away. Like this is an artist. This is an artist that's saying, I'm going to go outside my envelope, I'm going to go outside of my comfort zone, and I'm going to make something, and I'm just going to see how it, throw it up against the wall and see how it goes. 
boom, my blank, my brain's well, blown. You know. See, I think we all have that point where we think we're too cool for pop at some point. Like, exactly. Like I always stop listening to Michael Jackson. Like I loved ABBA growing up. I still do. But like there was a yeah. point where like ABBA, I'd be like, yeah, you really don't want to see that in my iPod now. It's like or it was like I like. Like in some of Taylor Swift's songs, it's like, mm-hmm. you like what you like. Like, exactly. Brian Adams wrote that album. Like, Dave Grohl loves Taylor Swift. Like, yes. he said it in interviews. Like, well, she, is, I, I, I think she, to me, is like one of the most gifted songwriters out there. Saturday Night Fever, like, that's disco. And every, you know, I remember I had, everybody hated disco and everybody. But you know what? That, that album influenced probably a bunch of pop artists, the Bee Gees, and that album revolutionized the whole genre and a base for so much other pop music. And you like can say, "Oh, I hate that! It's just, it's the terrible oh, blah blah I blah." Love the like, I mean, influence, yeah. but influence some people like Daft Punk. Like, yes. Who, who, and here's the reason I bring that up too. One of our favorite artists just made an album with him. Jason Isbell just made an album with Barry Gibb. Well, I would never have thought that, you know. And actually, it's a track on on Barry's album. That to me is like. You do not know who influenced who. You don't know where, what, who, who got to where. And it's that's what's great about music is that it you can have so many influences. You can have so many different things. Do you think your teenage, um, your teenagers played a pivotal role then, like you're talking about, to what you are now? Then I think it did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I think it does for everybody. There's some stuff obviously. If I ever go back and flip through my CD books, I'm just like, oh, I haven't heard that album in a while. I'll put it on. I mean, yeah. But it's just one of those things. Like I think definitely that's where it kind of like you learn to like what you like, but. Mm-hmm. It came I think, from somewhere. Yeah, but I think the fact that I kind of touched on so many genres, like especially with the oldies growing up, things like that. Like, I mean, I didn't really hold like a, like a whole lot of rap in high school, but then like I got slowly started getting the stuff like the BC Boys and then like mm-hmm. Outkast. Like, I still probably not gonna listen to, like a trap rap song. Like, yeah. that's like the big thing now with the. But it's like, yeah, like I and I another reason little SoundCloud rappers. <laughs> like, and that's the thing too is that I get that like feedback I see on. I see like comments on pages or or in having a conversation with somebody about how much they hate modern day music and how it's heartless. How it basically is there's people out there now that think that music is heartless because it's not what they like. And the thing is it's like every generation I really truly feel has music that gets to them and they like and makes them feel good. And you're not gonna relate to it because you are not part of that generation. To me, I try to escape from that mentality, and I really take in everything that's out there because I'm thinking everything needs a chance, and maybe I'll find something in all this stuff that I like. And that's how sometimes I find some of the best music that's out there. I think we too, like, I mean, because you're a couple years older, but I think we were born at that awkward generation where our parents would have been born in the singles generation where mm-hmm. you had the 45s, and, like, we grew up mainly towards, like, where I was went album-oriented, Mm-hmm. And then now that after our high school and college days, like we kind of went back into like singles. I mean, they yeah. used to, when we were growing up, you could listen to an album that sounded good from start to finish, especially back then too, because you couldn't download or listen to a song on Spotify. So you had to buy an album, gamble that it was going to have more than one good song. And then now we're back in the days where you're going to see bands that are going to write albums like 15 songs, like two or three are good, maybe. Uh-huh. And then big thing is like, there's bands out there who's even bands we like, they'll write a song, they've yeah. never played it live in concert. It's like, why would you put space for a song you wrote like 20 years ago, like uh-huh. you've never played it in concert ever? Like, yeah, that's a great retrospect, man. That I, That is so true and to the point, like, yeah, that you had those 45s and that was like the hit that you heard in the jukebox or whatever yeah. it might have been, you know, and then, or brought home because you could afford it. And then we did have that whole 90s music freaking 
machine that was out there before downloading happened that was just like making so much money off of those albums and everything. Or you were forced to kind of like an album because like you yeah. made that 15, 10, 15, 20 dollar commitment to yes, an album. Yes, exactly. And then now it's like bands would be almost better just release singles because like uh-huh. you today you might buy an album that has nothing but good songs but like chances uh-huh. are they're just going to write their formula for like the two or three they're going to expect and you'll download the song you like or if you have like a like a a spotify or apple music thing you're gonna just play what you want to hear to me where i try to do my best and i really do i listen to that whole thing and i want to find out what i like in it you know and i mean this is what i like they used to have new music on tuesdays that was the big thing when i worked in the record store now it's new music fridays like every friday everybody releases all their music and stuff and every friday i'm like looking through and i'm seeing there and i'm like i'm gonna check this out and this out do i listen to everything no but i will check it out because sometimes i'm like i find something i'm like well what is this well especially since like Best Buy essentially stopped selling CDs. Like you used to always get the ads like on Sundays and look like, hey, this is coming on Tuesday. It would have like uh-huh. a two page spread. Now it's like, oh, like my favorite band put an album out last year. I didn't even know about it. Like they <laughs> post on Facebook, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, like I said, I think it just comes back to maybe we don't view music today as being mm-hmm. good to us because like they're literally writing it. The one song they're gonna play it out for two or three months, and then the next single comes on, you're gonna forget about that song that you never heard yeah. that band. Yep. At our place of employment, like they'll they'll play songs like I'll hear it like three or four times a day. They'll hear like Hey Jude, but I won't hear Hey Jude now for two, another two weeks. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, like, why aren't they playing this single by like Shawn Mendes anymore? No, they're playing yeah. his new single now. It's weird how that whole uh, radio stream for for I call it the the retail uh, retail radio works. It, you know, it used to be really good at our old location we were at before yeah, we moved yeah, to our yeah. new one. Like, yeah. I don't know if they switched services or they just switched the yeah. algorithms, but it's just like, not that I'm going to advertise other businesses, but like, you go to a Hy-Vee or a Walmart, like, you hear some of the music they play there, it's like, Peter Gabriel, I'm hearing like the Wallflowers. Like, uh-huh, I'm hearing that, like, uh-huh. every time I walk in at work, like, I'm counting, like, I hear Sean Mendes three times by yeah. lunch. It's like, it's amazing too, like, when, you know, I used to do that, and uh, you are the same way as me. It's like, this is different. I've heard this before. You're like, well, they're playing this now? And like, like me and you would hear that yeah. stuff, you know? It's like on a random Thursday afternoon, I'm hearing, like, Given the Fly by Pearl Jam, but then I'm hearing, like, Faith Hill, like, five minutes. It's like, it's like, it just yeah. makes sense. Um, as you had tri- as you transitioned into those adult years, um, did you feel yourself change that style then? Did you, did you definitely change the style? Or did you keep the stuff you liked and then you grew out more? Kind of like we brought it up. Uh, yeah, I think I... Maybe grew out of like some of the more like emo things. Maybe like I love Dashboard Confessional, but I wouldn't listen to that as much now as I would have probably yeah. back then. I mean, I rewelcomed more stuff. Like I mean, obviously listening to some of the Beatles as a kid. Like I really got into the Beatles in my mid to late twenties, which is kind of a weird time to get into them. Yeah. But maybe for somebody of our generation, not so much. I mean, how many kids mm-hmm. born like in the seventies and eighties going out and buy like Abbey Road, Revolver? Yes. And listen to them, especially when they had. Unless all like these a family or a friend or somebody turned yeah. me on to it. So I mean, yeah, I, I kind of got into those. I mean, I got more appreciative of like country, like alt country, like drive-by truckers and old ninety-seven yeah. stuff like that. It's like become a little more receptive. Like now, I would probably listen to like. Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, like, uh-huh. older stuff, be more appreciative. Like, it's probably not going to be my go-to, but I can put it on and be like, yeah. I'm appreciating that. Like, I'm not... Were you, so, you were a drive-by Truckers fan before Jason left? Yeah, I actually yeah. got an album of theirs for free, like, back in the days of the music club. <laughs> like, I just got a random free album. It's like, I had, like, okay, I had to pay, like, I had to buy, like, my two CDs or whatever. Like, so I'm going to buy my two CDs obligation. We're going to send you a third CD. 
Yeah. It ended up being like a drive by trucker CD. Wow. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, it was just weird. It was like, we're going to send it to you for free. I'm like, wow. Like, so. Yeah, and now look, right? To me, I mean, like. Yeah, I mean, that was like in 2003, so that was like yeah. right before he was on his way out of the band, but it's uh-huh. like. Yeah. Another guy that went through some stuff that turned it around and made some really great music. Is there a certain song or album that you hold very dear to yourself that you never let go of? Probably one like two I really appreciate all the way through until like college was like Dark Side of the Moon was one. Yes. Uh, I mean, I still think that's probably one of their better ones. I mean, even ahead of the Wall and Animals. I mean, like they both have their good yeah. ones. But I think Dark Side just has that flow to it. Yeah. Uh, even like Obscured by Clouds is another good like real yes. kind of. Yes. Plus, I probably the verb referring back to them. I mean, uh-huh. it's one of those ones I can throw on and just be. Yeah, like wow, this is a great album. Where it's kind of like. Um, Especially because when they write those albums, like they're they're like flowing pieces. I mean, uh-huh. even like another one too, like her early in college, like a collective soul album, like yeah. Dosage. It's kind of like one of their later day ones, oh, had yeah. like run and all that. But like, you can just be sitting here randomly thinking, like you can just hear the songs play through in order in your head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some albums like you're like, okay, what's yeah. that? What's the track order on this album? Like you're just like songs kind of all blend together, but like when every song has its place. Yeah. Or like a Radiohead's OK Computer. Yes. Yeah. Which. Kind of was like my last album, like I really dug start to finish by them. I mean, in Rainbows yeah. had its moments, but kind of a guitar snob. I want to hear like guitars in the music. I mean, it's just yeah. like Kid uh-huh. A kind of pulled it away to more like ambient. It's like, yeah. I think OK Computer, like Paranoid Android, just everything they did with that album was just. Yeah. I love them. You know that. I've seen them twice. And yeah. I've, I've been fortunate enough to meet them too, which to me still blows me away. But yeah, they, to me, were, well, were so. one of those bands that, you know, weren't big as a lot of the bands that were out at that time. They were, in my opinion, the modern-day Pink Floyd. They were the modern-day Beach Boys Pet Sounds. They were the modern-day, let's see what we can do in the studio mm-hmm. and try something different. They went into the studio, right? they went in the studio and said, we're going to make something different, but we're going to have it be it, you know, music still. It's just going to be not something you're used to. Mm-hmm. That, that that's to me to an extent I mean but like if I say I'm going to go see them live I just want to hear them do more of like their full band stuff I mean mm-hmm. I don't want to if I want to see Tom just like plink away at a keyboard for <laughs> five minutes I'm going to see a DJ like, set somewhere or something yeah it's like I mean I, I've seen Larry Head twice as well they, they put on a good show like they just yeah. kind of know keep yeah. keep a good mix of it I mean they're not going to do like all new stuff they're going to play stuff that like, kind of touches on everything they know how to do Who's what musician do you feel most connected with? Probably presently, I think a lot with like my at least my playing when it comes to like guitar playing. Like I mean, I've I've heard people say like Jerry Garcia kind of like my playing like uh-huh. Gilmore. I mean that's just kind of maybe like why I've kind of modeled a little bit of my playing oh, okay. after. But yeah. we're just playing more for feel. But it's like I mean I'll never be as good as them. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I mean. But I think as far as like who I'd want to be like if I were in a band that was like touring big kind of like well known, I I probably want to be like a Dave Grohl or even yeah. like a or Billy Joe just somebody who's just yeah. kind of out there having fun like play they're, they're, <laughs> like if you're going to pay me a million dollars to play or if you're going to pay me fifty dollars to play like get that it's like I, I, music should never be the paycheck I mean it should be yeah. it should be enough to keep the roof over your head but like it shouldn't be like the reason you're out there playing yes. so exactly man because I mean to you to me you're going to be able to make something like really great and wonderful if you play it from where it should be coming from man. and it's, it's really important is there any certain style you want to try out that you haven't tried out yet? Uh, I mean, as far as like my playing, uh, I definitely want to get better like blues. I mean, you see somebody like Gary Clark Jr. Uh, uh-huh. I don't want to say his name because he gets like a bad name amongst like music peers, but JB. 
Yeah, that guy. But uh, uh, what's his what's his name? Uh, wrote Lightning, Johnny Lang. Like yeah, yeah. He's kind of playing like. I mean, okay, I'll go back and say his name, Joe Bonamassa. Like he yeah. just to me, he just seems to be like over the top. I think he's kind of yeah, yeah. He's like a gear hound. Like I think he he's he's kind of the kiss of blues music. It's like. He puts his name on everything and anything and everything that's not nailed down. It's like, mm-hmm. I get he may play for some love of the music, but he's very conscious of his brand. And it's like, yeah, I, sometimes that's is a little, it is it is it um, engineered or is it from the heart? That's what you're thinking. Right? It, it can be a little bit of both. I mean, yeah, yeah. You're, you can you can brand yourself, but like you shouldn't be the kind of person to sound like like ashtrays, like so like how many, <laughs> how, many, how, many, how many things does Gene Simmons sell? Yeah, he puts his name on. Everything like kiss coffins, like kiss yeah. condoms. You better it's watch like, yourself, man. You're gonna piss a lot of kiss fans <laughs> off out there. Oh, uh, there's, there's there's some out there I know, but it's yeah, like oh yeah, they're another one. It's like some people have already mentioned their names are big kiss fans. They're, they're, they're another band. It's like I can appreciate what they. I totally. Agree. But it's like yeah. they're clearly in it for the paycheck. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're not out there. They could say it's for the love of music, and it might be to an extent. But yeah, if you're only giving Gene Simmons twenty five dollars to come play your show, he yeah. chances are he's not answering your call. It's like. Is there any kind of style now that you're listening to that you didn't listen to, like say, like a couple years ago? I say, I say a little bit of that country. I mean, I can appreciate yeah. like I used to crap on country, but I mean, like you see players like Keith Urban and like Brad Paisley were just like phenomenal exactly. guitarists. I mean, I'll probably have to send you the link after like we're done talking, but like of uh, John Mayer and like Keith Urban doing like Beatles "Don't Let Me Down." Oh, I can from, like, imagine the, from like the Crossroads oh, Festival, like yeah. maybe a little more rap, like I said, a little more rap than I did, but it's just yeah. kind of. Brad Paisley to me, he's probably one of my favorite, um, if not my favorite gu- country guitarist performer that's out there right now. I mean, I like Chris Stapleton a lot, but he is to me is like him to me is like my my like beacon as far as country music goes right now. Like my like Staple to me is like doing exactly what performing music should be like, whether it was country, pop, or rock. It's from the soul. He's playing it from his soul. You hear it in his voice. You hear it in his guitar playing. I'm pounding on this table. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think, like, maybe as I need to pop this one a little more, like, the thing I seem, seemingly like about Brad Paisley is, like, he's not afraid to, like, not take himself seriously. Yeah, I mean, as long as he's out there having fun, yeah. I, did, I, I can't. Maybe 20 years ago, I would have been, like, hey, like, look at him, blah, blah, blah. But, like, yeah. I think you get older, you get a little, little more mature in your thing. It's like, as long as somebody's out there having fun playing what they're playing, Yes. I don't have to. Like I don't have to like death metal, but I mean, if guys mm-hmm. like to go to those shows and get their rocks off. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. My my other problem is like when we had that earlier talk about elitism and like your scene. It's like if metal has to shit on me for liking Taylor Swift, like good on it. But like I think that's kind of toxic because like I don't shit on them for liking death metal. You know? yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Not my thing. Go to your shows, have your fun. In certain cases, I don't know like specific ones, but yeah, I think the ones that I tend to follow, like everyone's supportive. Like, hey, I'm playing a show tonight. Uh-huh. I can't make that show. Why don't you go see my friend's show? Like, you're kind of... Yes. Like, yes. other ones, like, if you don't come to our show, like, fuck off, kind of get lost. It's yeah, like, I, you know, I, I don't, like that. I, I don't think... Cause you don't want to be that next person telling you to fuck off and they don't go to your yep. show. It's like, yeah. you, you got to have some give and some give. Like, I'm going to go to your show this time. I'm going to go to their show next time. And yeah. there shouldn't be any hard feelings. Exactly. It's, kinda, it's a respect thing. There's only so many clubs and so many people in this area that can And I have a show. life. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm tired sometimes. I'm like, you know, sometimes I can't get, make it because of something else prior, you know? Like, there's a lot of things out there. As long as when you do make it, you're like, hey, thanks a lot, you know? Not like, why didn't you do this or that? 
appreciate the moment in time, right? Yeah, like I said, like there sometimes there's two or three shows going the same night. You can go skip to a couple ahead. Be like, well, I saw your band the last two times, so I'm gonna go see them. And, well, yeah. okay, go ahead and see them. Like I know you're gonna yeah. be here the next time. It's kind of exactly. It's hard to reconcile. Like there, there's still some toxicity in our scene, mm-hmm. but. I think overall, like Quad Cities has a really welcoming kind of scene. Yes, there's a lot of stuff here. People have no idea that I love it. It's just like it's a big melt. I hate using that word, melting pot of a lot of different stuff, man. And I, and I think too, a lot of it's maturity. I mean, like most like these metal and punk bands are younger kids. Like some of the ones that are more than maybe just straightforward rock. They're a little older, so I mean, maybe they kind of grow to realize, hey, you can't shit on your scene and keep it moving. I mean, there's yeah. just. Mm-hmm. There's a reason nobody's heard your band, and it's not—it's not because you're bad. I yeah. mean, it's because you could be a shitty person. Um, where do you see um, the style of music going in the future? I, I would hope it keeps coming around. I mean, I think as you get older, you discover music. I mean, it's just kind of like surreal. I mean, now like we were growing up, like classic rock was the beat, like the Beatles, the Stones, later day stuff. Mm-hmm. Like for me, growing up, oldies was listening to like the, the, the Supremes, the Platters, like all those '50s groups. Hell, now it's like I'm listening to like oldies radio, and it's like Weezer and Pearl Jam, and like yeah. Tom Petty. Yeah. Like Tom Petty's first album's like forty years, like forty five years out almost now. It's yeah, like you're just kind of, isn't it? I mean, you don't feel like you're getting old. But it's like you're like, oh wow, now like what I'm listening to was oldies. Yeah. Do you listen to like people like Billie Eilish and stuff like that? I can dig some of the stuff. I mean, I don't like seek out their entire albums. Like, I can listen to their singles that I hear at least on the radio and be like, wow, like I kind of yeah, you get it right. I would have crapped on, like, uh, One Republic a couple years ago, but, like, Ryan Tedder, like, he wrote, like, half of Taylor Swift stuff. Like, yeah. the guy, like, just is a writing machine. Like, he doesn't mm-hmm. even have to do Run Republic. He just does it for the sake of being able to get his act. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact, like I said, we got back to, like, people aren't writing albums to write albums anymore. They're trying to write the new song yeah. for the one mm-hmm. thing. What do they do? It's like, yeah. so I can't see where music's going to go for this generation into the future. I mean, uh-huh. hopefully they can rediscover some older stuff. Like, they can go back to be like, hey, yeah. what about this band my parents or <laughs> even grandparents? Yeah, like, yeah. This, this band called Blondie. Like, maybe they'll discover mm-hmm. that and be like, oh my God, like, yeah. why have you ever hear of this, you know? Yeah, so but like, then I, I was just thinking of this while you are talking about this. But then you have bands that get, like, ripped on because they did get influenced by somebody. And so, so, so then they say, well, they're just ripping them off then. And like, well, everybody's ripping off somebody in a certain way. Here's an example. Greta Van Fleet. You know how many people freaking rip on them because, like, oh, they're just, you know, trying to sound like Led Zeppelin, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, they're still making their own music, quote, unquote. And where did Led Zeppelin rip off their music from? Where did Led Zeppelin got sued because they took a song, a blues song, in its entirety and changed it? I don't I think what they're ripping off more is like his vocals are going like right down to Robert Plant. I don't think it's just so much the guitar and instrumentation. I think it's like he's yeah. literally trying to hit those know, Robert you, Plant. And I tell people you need to listen to his last album or so because he is his own person. He's a little bit different than Robert Plant in my opinion because when I listen to him, he's got his own little thing going on. That's his voice. Mm-hmm. This is that kid's voice. I, I'm sorry, I can't think of his name, but I thought to myself, Okay, I get what they're doing. You know, I, I see what they're putting down, you know, and everything. Well, between the two, yeah, I would, we were clearly listening to, like, regular Zeppelin. But, I mean, as long as these bands can continue guitar music, I mean, mm-hmm. a big band, I've seen them twice in, like, like five, ten years younger than I am. But, I mean, they're not, like, super young, but, like, 21 Pilots. Like, they're really good at kind it's of, like, national stuff. one of my nieces' stuff. favorite bands. Like, I think it's, like, a band that I can appreciate what they're doing. Like, they're mm-hmm. kind of keeping things fresh, like, kind of like, I want to say, like, 
back fresh, but like, I mean, they're not yeah. they're, gonna, they're not gonna write like a slow blues and kind of like mopey album followed by like a disco album. But like, yeah, but they, 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 they yeah. still. I can see if like if bands like that continue doing stuff like that, but yeah. bands eventually are gonna have to loop back to like going reaching a generation earlier than they were in. Yeah. Or also because like then music just gets stagnant because like everyone's yeah. always pushing for the new thing, but the new so, thing's always gonna loop back to the old. But, yeah, yeah. But if you're not making like everything like, comes from something, that's for sure, man. Yeah, but I mean, I can hear a band now like a little more extra, but like they add like Tom Petty sounds. Like Tom Petty's sound is timeless. Yeah. How are you going to make like some of this new Dua Lipa stuff like sound? So I really that thing on Netflix that talked about that song she released. I after watching that was like, that's to me is like yeah it's an engineered song and there's like multiple songwriters and but you know what it created a job for all those people it made it a hit it was still from the heart it was still something that was created from somebody. Now, do you like it or not? That's you. I get it, but I appreciate the craft of it. I guess I, yeah, I can pre- I can appreciate the craft too. But it's like where we ask, like, where's the music going to go from there? Mm-hmm. That's the hard thing. It's like, it's well, just, that's why I brought up Billie Eilish. What I like and respect about her is that she is her own person. She's not trying to be anybody else. That's what I love about which, the enemy. which we need with that. I'm not here taking a selfie and look at me and like blah blah blah. It's it's about the music. It's about the art. You know, it's about there's a difference between the image and the actual music. And you know what? People love the imaging music, and that's great. That's your thing. But I love the music, and then that can imitate your on um, the way yeah. you're looking in your art. But she actually plays instruments. There's actually instrumentation. Yeah. And her and her brother are like a duo. And her, bro- and her brother's like a really great producer. producer. Yeah, it's just like, what are you going to do like now where they pretty much plug in chords into a program and they spit out like a beat? It's like that's yeah. kind of taking a lot of the music out. Like they haven't figured out almost to a science on a computer uh-huh. what songs are going to be the best. Like it takes yeah. all the creative juices out of music so I think yeah. it's kind of meeting the mid-ground between being like hey here's what we're gonna yeah well I think like Billie Eilish when I listen to her and to me this is my own opinion is that I hear um like a little bit of Lord in her the big thing was she was like 15 16 when that album came out and here's the other thing too sometimes they want to back away from that spotlight because it's too much for them yeah you know and that's uh, Billie talked a little bit about that in uh, the um interview uh, I listened to on a podcast and you gotta like, and then sometimes you gotta embrace it. Sometimes you gotta be like, okay, this is me, but I want it under my rules, and this is how I do it, and I can still produce my music, and I can still do my thing. Well, well, part of that too is now like the society today is just like go, 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 go. It's like if she's yeah. not in the spotlight every three or four months, it'd be like you're saying now, like, like Lord, like what happened to that? Yeah, they forget about her. I mean, yeah. Lord's still around, but like I meant more from the yeah. terms that like she hasn't written anything that's been like, oh, I, I heard on the radio. But here's the thing though too: some artists like Adele, like can be gone for a while and come back and make something and then come back and make something and but Adele Adele has a couple trucks of money sitting in her driveway like, yeah yeah I don't think she has to worry about now working because like she has so much success I no, think she wants no. to raise her kid just yeah. get away from like the press yeah well here's the thing I brought up their name earlier was fun you know like that band had like their debut album boom huge hits you're never going to hear that band again because and that was like their second or third album yeah, yeah. You know, and well, Nate Roos, who's one of their singers, worked with Pink, and then Jack yeah. did his bleachers, and he's doing writing. It's like, yeah, well, he's so he's such a thought after songwriter now because he worked with Taylor a lot, but he does make really good pop hits. But then, know? like, another band, like maybe I haven't met I'm off at one point, but like New Radicals, like yes. they got back together and did something like that. Album to me, start to finish, is one of my and he just top did it as ever. his thing, and then wanted to, wanted to get music that was made, you know, like he would became a producer basically. Yeah. Or uh, he wrote uh, The Game of Love by Santana and Michelle Branch. 
Like, guy doesn't have to work a day in his life. Like, he uh-huh. didn't really want to be in the spotlight. They actually did, uh-huh. like, a quarantine live stream of, like, one or two of his songs. Like, release an album. Like, I don't care if you two are on. I just want to have something new that you're just playing. Yeah. He's I about the production. He's about the getting people like, noticed. He's about the, the art side of like it. Like, Dan yeah. Wilson of uh, Semisonic. He went yeah. 20 years without... They just released a new album. He wrote uh, Someone Like You by Adele. Guy never has to work a day again. Oh, yeah, he has one of the most popular closing songs for a freaking bar ever in their lives. But that was in, that was in like, 97. <laughs> yeah. Like, clearly not pressed to have to work. Exactly. But he, he just is out there doing his thing. I, that's what I love. About, as much as we get so much stuff and we can't pick up everything, you it's nice to, like, okay, I'm going to dip back into this and back into this. And, or what are they doing? What are they working on now? Oh, what's going on with this and that, you know? And, me and um, Dustin talked about that in my last interview. Now, I was like, "What? What is fastball doing now? You know, what, you know." I, we're... I think they're still doing stuff. I mean, I saw them like circa two thousand eight when they came to Rock Island. Uh-huh. But uh, I, I, my only hope is that, like all these bands that have these really talented songwriters, like as a yeah. kind of agent of the next generation, that they're there to help maybe write songs for the one before it. And you grew up, in my opinion, I want to do a whole freaking conversation with you know with you or even a group of people at one time. The 90s had some, like, we had so many songwriters and so much music coming out at that point. Like, it was like so much new stuff being thrown at you, and everybody could write a song. Everybody wrote music. But, you I mean, know? like, you know how he did? They played his song Collide with us at work. Uh huh. You know who wrote that song? Who? The lead singer of Better Than Ezra wrote that. Wow. Kevin Griffin. That's crazy, yeah. man. You, you don't think that's all of a sudden you're just like, you go down like a Wikipedia rabbit hole, you're like, he wrote that? Like, yeah. It's like, I'm saying it's like, so hopefully, like, any new talented band today, like, be looking out for the people five, ten years younger than you. Show them yeah. what you know, then maybe you can help them write stuff. Yeah. Kind of, kind of keep cycling. Collaborations are a great Cause thing, I think, man. Because I, I think that's, like, if you're around, if we're around to teach people Genesis, like, the, either the Gabriel or the Collins, or yeah. if somebody's around to teach them about Van Halen, kind of like, here's what this music was like, kind of expose generations to the preceding yeah. generations. Hopefully... It keeps it all fresh. You There's know, a like, new friend of mine named uh, Mike that really, really loves uh, Genesis. And, like, you know, I'd love to have a discussion with him at some point. Okay, this was our style here, and now this is our style now, you know. And that's something, as a band, like, amazing to do, to have different chapters in your life. Even for a band to, like, just be able to have, like, different, like, styles and genres in their music and be successful at it. That's it's hard, man. That's really hard. Like I'm gonna bring it back around to Pearl Jam again and Gigaton. When I listened to that album again last night, I could hear like the you know obviously the Talking Heads and like some certain punk artists and like some, you can hear all those band members' influences in that music. And to me, that's important with any kind of music. Is like you just said, be able to go back to what you you know made you love music mm-hmm. in some way, whether you're paying homage to it or you're you're creating a song about it or whatever it might be. Because like past fifty years, we've only had like one stable decade of music. Like yeah. I, and I, you want, I can kind of lay out how I feel. Seventies, you kind of had like your album oriented rock at the beginning, and then disco closed out that decade. Yeah. Or even further back to that, the sixties. Sixties had Elvis, and then the Beatles hit. Yeah. Kind of like push that all the way up the Zeppelin, then like going yeah. back to the album oriented ending disco. The 80s, start to finish, yeah. was essentially new wave. I mean, you had 
Like he had Tom Petty, and he had the like, artist. Yeah, he had new wave, but he had like hair metal kind of sandwich in like '86 yeah. to '90. Yeah, grunge came and killed that. Uh-huh. And then grunge itself, in my eyes, was dead by like '97, '98. Yeah, so yeah, you had like yeah, the yeah. new metal, like the corn and all the, the songwriters, all the rock and roll, all the different kinds of stuff. And, and then what happened? To it? Pop music got back. pop music in the 2000s. I think pop yeah. music's kind of been sustained. Uh-huh. But I mean, it's just been like there's not been a real stable decade since our childhood of like music. So it's no. kind of hard to nail down what a decade uh-huh. is because like '80s, you were pretty much either the hair hair metal, yeah. or you like your Duran Duran, and then yeah. you pretty much had that. You were are you were yeah. in the middle? Or you were listening to, like your well, '80s classic country. And like, and, and, and that's something that maybe ages me and you is that to me like Duran Duran will have to be in there at some point. Yeah, they I, they influenced you know a lot of people. You know. Yeah, I mean I. My favorite song of theirs is a random one nobody would ever pick. I mean, like New Moon on Monday. Yeah. It's just a real. Oh yeah, and his voice changes in it too yeah. a little bit. Simon tries a little bit different yeah. stuff. The reason I brought up Bailey, I also is because I wanted to ask you because I think that you probably this is something that's not on there. Do you have a favorite James Bond song? There's been so many James Bond covers. You know, our, our, I mean, our artists. Shockingly, I've only seen like the Roger Moore ones. I mean, probably like Paul McCartney with like Live and Let Die because like and, yeah. I, and I think I read somewhere. I don't know, somebody told me, but I read, like, he essentially went in, recorded that, and he gave it to the producers, like, so how's this demo good as how it's finished? Like, no, this is the finished song. It's like, <laughs> this just, is a long-ass song. <laughs> no, but I just don't know oh. how, how rough it sounds. It doesn't really, yeah. if you listen, it doesn't really sound finished. I mean, I Well, I, even Chris's song didn't get a bunch of popularity out of it, but I think that Cornell song, his, his um, song was excellent. But I think that's one thing, too, is, like, it's amazing how... Every movie and generation of song is crazy from the beginning. Even like the beginning, I think it was Dionne Warwick or was it Shirley Bassett? I can't. Diamonds Are Forever or yeah, I think that was Shirley Bassey. Yeah. yeah. The one though, I probably more memorable song obviously because like it was in my high school days was like Garbage. The world's not enough. Probably like the fitting cap to the nineties. Uh-huh, I mean, that was uh-huh. kind of like. Do you have a favorite Beatles album or song, or is it hard to do that? Oh, like. My friend Matt, you've met Matt, like yeah. Matt Carter, but uh, I think we once did like a rankings of the albums. I think we agreed. I think like Abbey Road was the strongest, but like I, I go between anywhere from like Revolver back to Rubber Soul and then up to like Abbey Road. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think everyone can appreciate like how popular earlier stuff was. Those first couple albums, like they had three or four covers on every single album. Yes. Like, they kind of, yes. they were kind of so fine in their place. But I mean, like. Side two of Abbey Road, I think, is still like probably the best like fifteen twenty minutes yeah. of music and probably ever been written or ever will be written. I think it's considered like the number six best album of all time. I read, and it is. It's one. It's an amazing album. To me, it's like I was trying to pick a favorite song of theirs. I'm like, a day in the life, a, you know, long and winding road. I mean, people say the day in the life is their number one song. But it's like I think there's wow. songs that should come ahead of that, but it's still top. It's 10. just so many things. It's like. You listen to that stuff and you're like, wow. It's like, to me, even listen to like the head sound, you know, with headphones or something like that. Just what Brian did with the engineering, with all the different sounds and overlaying in those songs, you know? And I think the amazing thing, like, people contextualize, like, you don't think about the passage of time, but, like, the Beatles pretty much made all their albums in the space of about six and a half, seven years. Yeah. So, like, for them to go from writing, like, Carl's, Carl Perkins covers to, like, The Long and Winding Road, like... Today, yeah. bands don't have that kind of freedom. Mm-hmm. They're only going to release that album every two or three years. They're not releasing one or two albums a year, mm-hmm. and they're definitely not going to have that big of a stylistic change yeah, it's not. or have it be accepted as widely. I mean, today a band can genre hop, but for them to 
do what they do and to like impact so many. They had such a microscope on them too, though. That was the other thing too. And, like, but people went with it too. Yeah. Today, like I write a country album, one album, I come out with like a death metal on the next. I'm going to alienate one or two fan bases. The ones that either got into me for this, or I'm going to alienate the ones that got into me for the death metal, saying, why did yeah. you write this country stuff? I think that's one thing I, I respect and I appreciate from those those artists, that they can do that. And uh, that's that noise you heard was a train going by. I forgot to close the windows, but I need to, I like having the air in here today. It's nice. We're in February, last second to last day of February here, and it's beautiful outside today. I think genre hopping is clearly welcoming music but just shouldn't sound forced i think the beatles didn't make it sound forced and nope. today i think a lot of artists sometimes do mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to hop on to whatever's hot now versus what was hot two years ago it's like and yeah. it just really i was reading some articles on george and i thought to myself that must have been the hardest thing in the world being in a band with two of the best songwriters that ever was and like not be able to do your stuff until like you left. You know? Yeah, they were shocked like when he came out with like something. all things must pass. Yeah, you know? and even to have something you know when they were together to be played. I think it was that time was like, wow, this he's you know to have Eric play on it. You know, well he wrote like Think for Yourself, like and that was an earlier Beatles jam. But he to me was my favorite. George was from the heart. I felt like he really was from the heart, and his music definitely played a big turning point in my life when I was in my twenties and when I heard. All Things Passed for the first time, and I was like blown away how well that album was. You've been to a lot of Lollapalooza shows. Do you have a favorite? <laughs> obviously, as I, I think maybe as I'm aging out, or as like, obviously we commented earlier about like Bonnaroo not being what it used to be, but I think, I think obviously my earlier ones, because that's when they booked more rock acts, like 2007 to 2008 had some like fantastic headliners and like middle of the ground, middle of the lineup, but uh, like 2007 was like Ben Harper going the same night as Daft Punk. Mm-hmm. You can guess which one I picked, but now it's kind of like maybe I made the wrong choice considering what happened earlier this week. But, yeah. Uh, and then Muse played in Pearl Jam, so it was like three straight days of that. And then 2008 yeah. was Nine Inch Nails, Rage Against the Machine. I want to make a side note. Uh, you said uh, what happened earlier this week. Daft Punk broke up. This week. Yeah, they broke up this week. It's yeah. like, yeah. and they're a band like. Like I said, I never got super deep into them. I can I can appreciate what they did. Maybe I if you had to be there to see the visuals. Yeah, but you've been in a lot of good like Lollapaloozas, man. You've been yeah. to, how many have you been to all together? Uh, every one since two thousand six. I mean, last year they didn't have it because of COVID. And this year, right about now, they generally announced that they're going to have it. But I think they're still kind of waiting. Years, huh? Every year it gets to be harder and harder to find like up and down. But I mean, sometimes that's good. You don't want to have three or four bands going at one time when you want to go see somebody. So it makes it. Mm-hmm. But also makes it easier to kind of find diamonds in the rough. You're going to wander by, be like, "Hey, yeah. these people sound cool. Who's yeah. playing?" So. And I respect that you go to that still because that is one of the things. Like I was talking to a couple of different people about that. Festivals are really hard sometimes as you get older because of the crowds and everything like that. You know, how do you deal with that? I I think you just kind of mentally prepare yourself for it. I mean, drink mm-hmm. a lot of water. No matter what what your age or how much you make, like ten dollar beers head up. So it's like drink the water. Yeah. Keep in the shade, just kind of yeah. don't do drugs, kids. Yeah. So like, just kind of be. Because, but I respect that about you. Go still because you love music just as much. Yeah, as I mean, me, and you're going there for the music. You're not going there for the image. Like I was, I heard somebody say that. That's what. What's the thing out in the West Coast? Coachella. Yeah, that's, that's like all a, that's become. It's, it's like, like it be seen and be seen. It's an image thing. It's not about the. It's music. like who'd you see? I don't know, but I got hundred new Instagram followers for being there. It's yeah, like, it's just like and I got so fucked up, and you know, or whatever it might be, you know. I think with all the festivals now, it's like it is almost an event and a party. But to me, it's like 
I love when it is about the music and people like you that go yeah, for it for and, and the there's still some. I mean, like, oh, I'm not saying that everybody's. No, but I mean, you, but you used to go there and be like, oh, you see, like a couple like people that were like 50 and 60. Now you see more and more. Cause, I mean, like, I think they kind of show up. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe as you're aging up upwards, like you kind of just notice it more. But yeah. it's like, I think it's just the changing of culture too, because like. Even when I was in my like late twenties, I was like twenty five when I went to my first one. Uh-huh. I see the way some some of these kids act now. It's like there's no way in hell like it. Even like at that age, like those fifteen and sixteen year olds in the crowd were acting like that. Yeah. Like they're rolling you out on an ambulance to the hospital a mile north of the park at like one in the afternoon because you took drugs and didn't hydrate. Yeah. yeah. If you're not there to listen to the music, like you just wasted four hundred dollars and now you're getting the hospital bill from yeah ruining your summer. You should be able to go there to have fun. Yeah, that's what I was basically getting at. I. I think it, you know, I don't mind being at places where you can sit sometimes when it's that artist is somebody you'd like to see and just sit and listen and to And I music. think the majority of people there are pretty good. I think the, the main part where that problem comes from is the DJ stage. I mean, mm-hmm. like, and Perry Farrell kind of has lost, like, his clout there. I mean, his he's still associated with it, like, as an ambassador, but mm-hmm. now it's owned by, like, C3 or whoever does the booking. Like, mm-hmm. he might get a little consulting on it, but... He's not the one curating the festival yeah. like he used to. And that's one of my, like, that's amazing. Like, if you had ever told me in high school, this is aging myself, that one of the bands I listened to would help revolutionize the way music is being shown out there on, like, on a festival level, and I, mean, I would have been like, what? And, I mean, you saw my pictures when I posted on Facebook from, like, yeah. two years ago when he just did a pop-up set, like Perry Farrell's, we were talking about, like, did a pop-up set in the middle of the park at the fountain. Yeah. Like, and then he played later that night with his Perry Farrell's uh, kind orchestra. I don't, it's like. Yeah. And I'm not saying he created the festival thing. I mean, there's been Woodstock, there's been a million different things. But I think he definitely played an important part in showing, hey, here's diverse music. Here's a, like a, a, a genre of different tastes and, and aspects of music. And we're going to have it in one show for you. Yeah, but like, since he's lost his touch, I mean, now they're. Focusing more on like these EDM bands that most of the people go to the DJ stage now, yeah. and like it just draws a lot of that undesirable kind of. They're they're pushing pushing past you half drunk, half out of their mind. It's like yeah. they get a lot of neg- they get a lot of negative feedback just from people commenting on it because there are people like me like yeah. that want to go and see the concert. Last year or the year of last year I went, it was like the first year in a couple that hadn't sold out first day. Yeah, but like a lot of it's just. One There's of those so many to go to now. No, but, but it's also, like, to be seen and do things, like, getting drunk and doing drugs, like, you're taking a $400 ticket out of the hand of somebody who wants to actually go and see the music. Yeah. So, Is there a favorite band that you saw that you can definitely say, I am glad I went to this festival and saw this band? There's been so many, but I mean, a couple ones, like, Silver Sun Pickups have been one, like, The Head mm-hmm. and the Heart, yeah. uh, Glenn Hansard, I mean, yeah. you kind of get, you just kind of find out, like, I didn't know about this band, but oh my god, like they were just Amazing. put on a good show. And hell, even like the past couple of years, they'd done like what I would call like the '90s flashback set. One year it was like Third Eye Blind uh, live came, like Ed Kowalt, Kowalczyk. Yeah, well they got back together I think last year, and then they had the whole pandemic. It was like two or three years ago they got back together, yeah. but like they yeah. got back together and just played a midday set. It was just one of those things. You no, know, it's like nothing better than like Chicago when it's 90 degrees in the summer, just like. Mid afternoon, chilling, watching something like that. But wow. I mean, he just made me realize, like he was probably the second famous person I ever met was Ed, and the first was uh, Mike Patton from Faith No More when I saw them at the Call Ballroom. But then Ed was when I worked in the Davenport Sam Goody. He came in before the night before the show, came in the store, and I met him then. 
That's sorry, it just blew me away I mean, just thinking about I mean, that. Was wow. he, I mean, was he a nice yeah. guy? Oh, he was nice. Yeah. So I mean, like I, I'd heard kind of like the reason like he left the first time was kind of like egos. Because I mean, like obviously oh, now yeah. if, he, if he's back together because of like lead singer syndrome or what? Yeah, but I mean now if you can approach it like 15, 20 years after you leave a band and come back just with a cooler head, it's like yeah, hey, he was an asshole twenty years ago, but now he's a super cool guy. Like so, it's kind of like he at least at that time was grounded. I mean, time makes guys uh-huh. kind of a little bit wiser, but. Not always. I mean, there's just... Do you have a favorite guitarist? Ooh, I mean... I could be here all day talking about... You're talking about Brad Paisley a little bit. Brad Paisley, I mean, uh, Mike McCready. uh, Oh, yes. As I kind of pick up on him, like, Hendrix was probably the first one that really kind of got me, like, oh, my God, like, (laughs) what's this guy doing? George Harrison is, I've kind of, like, explored my playing. David Gilmore, I mean, Jack White, guys that just kind of show you you don't need to be... Too showy. Too showy, like, just play to the song and, like, you can get the feel out of it. I mean, it's yeah. just... If there's a song you could cover, what would it be and why? Well, like, I, I kind of get that freedom. I can kind of learn the cover, but, I'm like, I could play it, like, perfectly through, like, just all the way, like, up, because, obviously, fans over, like, Terrapin Station by The Grateful Dead. Like, oh. the title the title track off that album is, like, a 15-minute yeah. mini rock opera, but it's just, like, that's, like, one of the first real, like, extended kind of pieces of music and that was totally like un- like unlike anything they'd ever written at that point as a yeah. band you were too young probably when they when jerry was with them to go see him right? I, I i was i was i mean he died in 95 and i was like that was like right about the time i started getting into the dead i got into yeah. him because i heard people talk i was like oh like so i told my sister i'll take a, like grateful dead cd for our tape for her tapes so i'm not dating yeah, myself yeah. here but uh for my birthday she just bought me some random like one it was it happened to be that one and it happens to be one that was like around their Shakedown Street time and they were kind of like turning yeah. into the disco dead. <laughs> and uh, it was just, it's just a weird element. It wasn't like she bought me like American Beauty or Working Man's Dead. She bought me something from like their later time and I just really gravitated towards that album as a kid. Yeah. Kind of a weird thing. It's like somebody buying you like, I don't know, like what's a random like Genesis CD like, or uh, album, like uh, Shout Out the Devil or something like that. Yeah, you know, like here's this that. I'm trying to think of something that's just like, okay, it's different, you know. Like, it'd, be, it'd be like, it'd be getting like Lou Reed's Metal Machine. Or, yeah. It'd be like, yeah. It, it, it's something like fans love. But it, it, fans it, it, it's almost like, whoa, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's not like what this band is or would become. When you move on from this world, what song would you appreciate being played in your remembrance? Probably cliche because a lot of people would say that, but like, maybe like Let It Be. That's a good one. Yeah, Let It Be or, uh... No, man, that's... Or like, something George Harrison, like, even just like a mashup of his stuff just like because he was really just kind of into like being the moment kind of yeah but kind of like think of like what you're doing i think like. him and bowie harrison and bowie left like a very like hey i'm moving on from this world i'm going on to the next and i'm okay with it kind of like when they both passed away i think they left that feeling of well, I'm they, moving on from this and I'm moving on to the next thing. Yeah, because I think they kind of knew what was going on. I don't think George yeah. Harrison as much had. No, no, no. But, but, but I think, because I, I, and I recalled hearing before even like stories broke, I thought I had read somewhere about like just Bowie being sick. I just kind of put it in my mind, but what, I didn't, yeah. we didn't know how bad it was. Well, but Bowie, I remember hearing something. It's like people's like, nobody knew he was sick. It's like, because I, oh, I, I thought I had read something saying somewhere like he was sick. He didn't say like, like, before. He, to me, it was. But who knows? It could have been like he, they just may think something's wrong with him. Like yeah. it's conjecture until he says so, and it's his business to be the one to tell you. Like I just can't say like. So this next these next series of questions are like going to be like some one after another questions, and it's hard. But if you could, you know, try to try to think about what this would be. Do you have a favorite song? Time by Pink Floyd. 
Mm -hmm. Like, it actually had me kind of go into like thinking, like we were talking about George Harrison. Like, I want to tell you, so I, my favorite song by him, yeah, off of like Revolver, uh huh, like a one-off pop song. But like, I think just time by Pink Floyd, just because it just swirls and kind of moves, you yeah. know, it's just that album is it kind of yeah. like I said, we've talked about it. But it, it just the whole entire album just kind of swells and recedes, swells and recedes. It's not, it's like it's meant to be listened to from start to finish. Like you can't just put it on like a random like iTunes shuffle because then you have to skip past the track you're like expecting yeah. a song before or after it to come like it just can't be mm -hmm. chopped up in a piece it's one of my I think I have like a CD a vinyl two CDs two CDs of that uh, I have a surround sound of Dark Side and a regular version um, and then I have the vinyl and it's just that album is just a classic well there you go you have a favorite album Dark Side of the Moon like I said it's mm -hmm. just Start to finish, or even like, what's the story? Morning Glory by yeah. Oasis is another one. Uh, if I want to talk about like American artists, uh, I would just really say like Weezer's Blue Album, just like a real kind of good one, like mid '90s. It's just like you had to be there kind of feeling. I mean, I'm sure it's not a lot of people's that or Pinkerton, but it's just a real. Yeah, there's definitely the pure Pinkerton purist when it comes to them. Um, do you have a favorite genre? Well, I just you have to ask. I would just say mainly rock. I mean, rock's yeah. so encompassing. You just have to be like it can be country rock, it can be alt country rock, it can be so many different. It things. can be so many different things. I mean, I think rock is just like the bedrock. I mean, that's why I said like you can't piss on one mm -hmm. genre for the sake of yours if they all come from the same one. I mean, you remember the first song that you ever? We kind of touched it a little. Bit. I know, like first song probably would have been something off of like. Uh, thriller so far been like beat it I mean you're 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 a Broncos fan but like the Bears Super Bowl shuffle like, <laughs> I had I'm, that I'm, on the final on the final like, I remember, I remember, yeah I remember hearing that like, yeah. I mean that's why it's my first one I remember hearing do you have a favorite love song you know there is a lot of great love songs out there you know probably uh, Jimmy World like Just Watch the Fireworks is a good one okay. so I, like, I, I gotta look at that one later I don't like, know that's, that's off their Clarity album they went and did that like start to finish a couple years ago but like yeah I didn't see I didn't see them on that tour I've seen them twice but that's just like one like I'll have to when we got here I'll send you a message and show it it's just a, okay cool just a really good like well thought out do song. That, yeah do you have a favorite rap song Probably like anybody from my era, but like Bombs Over Baghdad by Outkast. Yep. I saw them in 2014 at Lollapalooza. Most bands, they come out and they would do that maybe middle of the set and no. That, they came out that was the first song they did. So that kind of set the mood. Like, oh, like, wow. <laughs> like, like when they come right out and start with something like that, they're not starting out with like a Rosa Parks or anything. Like they're coming right out of the gate with that. Here that, we are. That, 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 yeah, that takes balls to do as a band. Like, yeah. But I mean, you can't really think of a song that would be better for them to do. Except maybe like hey yeah, but that's not. Yeah, that would be like an encore, you know, or whatever kind yeah, of. Yeah, like yeah, like know. for a band to open up with a song like that, like yeah. you and just like for like how rapid fire he is with it, you know. Do you have a favorite uh, country song? I think like anybody like you can if you like your in your old country, I'd probably say like Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of the newer yeah, like, a lot of newer stuff like country. Probably like a Jason Isbell. I mean, like 24 Frames is a good oh, one. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would say Cumberland Gap, but that's not really, that's not really country. That's just more like rootsy. Alt rock, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you have a favorite genre that you listen to that a lot of people would be surprised about? I like world music. I mean, I've kind of gotten into mm -hmm. it more. I mean, obviously having like a foreign language background, like the Afro beats or even like uh, Manu Chow, like he does like oh, yeah, like Manu all, Chow. all kinds, just like yep. Spanish and like African kind of just like, Mm -hmm. I mean, 
a lot of his stuff, unfortunately, does sound kind of samey on the guitar, like when he's yeah. coming down to it, like just like. But there's a great sound when yeah. it comes to that, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, and it's like, it couldn't be my constant listening, but it, it it's just something kind of good to throw on mm-hmm. to change the. What was the first concert you did see? Okay, so my first one I remember would have been like my dad being in the oldies. We went to see one of those like package shows where they bring like a lot of the oldies acts. I only remember like one act was like Lou Christie. Okay. Like, who wrote like a lot of really good like 60 songs like oh, okay. Lightning Crashes and you've, you've probably heard some of his songs. First one I actually remember, like I was a late bloomer for concerts. Like, okay. I uh, went to my first concert in 2001. Buck Cherry, Fuel, and Kid Rock in Chicago. Yeah? Yeah. Like, as much as I like music, like, especially as I started getting into in high school, like, I never really was, like, allowed, per se, like, my mom was always worried about me. It's like, I never would go to, like, uh-huh. the Rosemont Horizon, now it's Allstate, or yeah. downtown Chicago to go see concerts, because, like, I just wasn't yeah. able yeah. to. But Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite concert you've been in? I'd probably say Paul McCartney. I mean, that's just, like, some of those ones go back to, like, the Legends, uh... Seen Pearl Jam like five times. I saw him at Alpine Valley that yeah. night, and then uh, Chris Cornell came out and they did some Temple of the Dog stuff together. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, so that's like, something that'll be remembered yeah. for us. Yeah. I think they well, they did that two nights in a row. I was only at night one. My friends went to both nights, but I went just to night one because my nephew's birthday was night two, so I couldn't go back up to Alpine to see it. But uh, who would you like to see that you haven't seen? Uh, we've talked about like Springsteen's a big one. I mean, mm-hmm. I think now it's fairly easy to see who you want I mean but like mm-hmm. he's one of those ones you have to kind of see now or because like time's on the bucket list kind of thing right yeah yeah. I mean are you, yeah. I would see Gilmore but like I don't think him and Waters will ever get together and no. make, make but Waters, Waters puts on an amazing show just on his own he's got a great band backing him up mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen any of that stuff no. but I recommend you do that do it when you get a chance like, it's in bull, it'll blow you away how good his band is like, I mean I've seen Elton John I've seen Paul McCartney I've seen like the bigger ones you can see there's not, I mean, in our age, like in this time in society, I mean, most bands are fairly young and able to tour. I've seen Weezer, I've seen the Foo Fighters. I'd love to see them again, but it's like, you got to think about ones like, I got to see them or I might not get to see them. Kind do of you have thing. like a dream collaboration, like if you could two, see two artists uh, come together? I'd probably see, I'd probably say with like Pearl Jam and the Foo's. I think that would just be like epic. Because I mean, like before COVID canceled everything, like last year was gonna be like Fall Out Boy, Green Day. They're all gonna I be. Know throwing like a big concert like at like yeah. Wrigley Field it's like it's you know anybody you'd like to like work with anybody you like if you if you could actually sit down and play music with somebody who would it be like we're probably, probably talking about really, like probably like a Dave Grohl or a Eddie Vedder and uh-huh. McCready like because they seem like guys like or even Gary Clark Jr. like there's guys like you, you just want to do a jam with them they wouldn't have any pretension about playing like uh-huh. Dave Grohl just seems like he'd play with anybody from like Taylor Swift down to like some crappy yeah, yeah, like yeah. he just seems like he wants to play. I mean, he's played with like Queens of the Stone Age. He's played yeah. with like all these bands, like, and they just like Josh Homme, same thing. Like, they just seem like they just want to play, be out there playing. Like, I mean, yeah, it's just about you, the music. You, you, like, I don't want to play with somebody who wouldn't want me on a mm-hmm. stage or in, in a position with them. It's like, do you have a favorite producer, uh, a, a, a guy that you know every time they produce in an album that you may like? I think I think especially now in this day and age, like it's obviously Rick Rubin's a big one. Uh, mm-hmm. Any of these like Max Martin, like these guys who can write these pop songs, it's like you figure they could just take your song and do what they want with it. I mean, yeah. I mean, he passed away a couple years ago. Like Rick Ocasek was another one. Like he did yeah. a lot. Like he he was the reason like Weezer made it. Like if he if he went ahead and produced that album, 
who knows like where they would have went with yeah. their. It's amazing yeah. engineers and producers can actually help people kind of find out things about themselves they never knew they had inside them. But today now it's like unfortunately or maybe fortunately like you have an album it'll have like five or six producers where it used to be like you'd have your one focal one. Yes. Where it's like they would give like that's why maybe albums just had a better sound maybe and they like weren't Brendan O'Brien you know yeah. Brendan, yeah like the food like the Pearl Jam did Brendan O'Brien Rick Rubin and they did another random producer I mean you get like three different sounds exactly it's, it's not that's a bad thing but it sometimes the one producer gives it like a unifying theme throughout the album yeah I don't want to feel like I'm listening to like a best of I want to, <laughs> I want, I want to feel like each album is has their own little thing has its own little contained piece and yeah. then if it wants to be like a part one and part two like um, would there be any festival you'd like to go to that you've never been to? I mean, I would love to go to like one of the Lala Clues. They have ones in like Stockholm and uh-huh. South America. I'd like to do something like that. I mean, yeah. Bottom Rue wouldn't be bad, but like it'd be like the whole camping at 40 thing is kind of like. Yeah. yeah. It's like you get old. It's like that's the good thing about Lala Clues. Nice to be a hotel. Yeah. To go to your like, well, Lala Clues, like I, have, I usually stay with my sister, but it's like. Instead of then I go home, take a shower, shower in the morning, get ready. Like, you come in each day fresh and clean, not four yeah. days, like, in, like, 90-degree heat. It's just kind of... Oh, yeah, brother. I hear you. I don't need absolute comfort. I'm not going to pay yeah. $2,000 to have those seats that give, like, the private bathrooms that are air-conditioned, like, the yeah. wine and cheese. It's like... <laughs> I don't, I, I, I don't mind being there in the dirt and the mud. I just yeah. want to be able to go home at the end of the day and be wash it off. Yeah, yeah. be relaxed. Actually, relax. Any instrument you'd like to learn how to play? Well, I've been kind of roped into playing bass before at these open jams I go to. I mean, yeah. be a little more proficient at that. I mean, piano would obviously open up a lot more with my playing and then yeah. ukulele. I mean, I'd, be, I'd like to be a guy who could just dabble in instruments. I get, I'm just jealous of guys you see them at these jams or even in any band. They're playing piano, they're going to play guitar, they can just do all of these things, you know. As much as like I kind of like think about beats in my head, like drums just never appeal to me because like you always have to be moving on drums. Like sometimes it's the yeah. space that you're not playing, but uh-huh. a lot of the times, like if the, if the drummer stops playing, yeah, like the band's done. Like the drums have to be going. The oh, bass yeah. can drop out a little bit and the guitar can go, but like constantly being the one to keep the beat, like it's hard. It's man. hard. Yeah, so, like, it's a, it definitely takes a craft to do that. Do you have a favorite album art that you like? Probably like the later day Beatles ones. I mean, I think Abbey Road is like there's a reason. Be, yeah, there's a reason I've walked across it. And thousands and thousands of other people have. I mean, uh, uh-huh. Sergeant Pepper's like just like the whole all the collage. people of um yeah the simplicity of like Pink Floyd doing like their Dark Side of the Moon the Diamond yeah like Weezer especially because they kind of like touch on the scene with like every time they do like every third or fourth album they'll have just the band members on the front of the cover I mean it's just uh-huh. they had their blue the green they've had it like the white yeah. they've had it like the black blood zeppelin like yeah. physical graffiti it's like it's just I love it too I love just seeing all the different kinds of like like through the years you know when I was looking through those 500 best albums that's one thing I looked at too is just the different designs and how they impacted and how they that kind of stuck with the way their image was at some point any photos that stand out to you? Like maybe like, you know how there's the naked picture of John Lennon and Yoko Ono and in bed and, you know, and he's got him over her and there's a bunch of different, like Janet Jackson, you know, with, you know, or the hands on the cover of her and yeah, any mean, ones that stick out to you, photos that you like? I mean, probably a real random because I think they touch on it. Like if you, you saw the uh, Rocket Man, right? Like, yes. Where uh, Alan John comes out like dresses like Donald Duck at the concert. Yes, like, yes. That's a big one, like where he has like the Dodgers jersey. Yeah, that's a good one. I just think, 
like I don't see anything like Freddie Mercury ever did. Like where like where they have like the picture of like at Live Aid, like where he's just like on the stage. Yeah. Kinda. Talk I, about a guy that could pull an audience together, man. I think it refers back to like album art, but like just like a photo, like photos of just like the band, like yeah. John in the all white suit, like George in the uh-huh. George in the all in the Canadian tuxedo. Do you think there's an underrated songwriter or, or performer out there that should get more recognition than they should? Like today or just like yeah, all just time? today, I mean, even all time, both. I mean, all time, I think Dan Wilson of Semisonics. I mean, people like oh, he's the closing time guys like. Guy wrote like three or four albums, of, like fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. He wrote like someone like you for Adele. Like he, mm-hmm. like, he, he's done stuff with Beyonce, so prevalent. But I think another one, like, maybe today, like that Ryan Tedder of like One Republic. Like he, mm-hmm. he, he writes stuff. I mean, like Counting Counting Stars, like fantastic song. I mean, yeah, they had music out there. I knew the, who they were. Like Stop and Stare, they play that one at work sometimes. And it's like I went through one day and I punched them up on a- Apple and I was like. I listen to all the songs like holy crap they did all these songs yeah and it's like blows you away you know it's like yeah it's like I don't know and, that, and I, I think that's ultimately what a writer should aim to be it's not not making maybe necessarily making your mark with your brand but like maybe uh-huh. passing along to somebody else I mean as long as you're getting your music out there yeah. like you're getting out like songwriters make more than performers these days I mean it, it, it's one thing to be talented writing your songs mm-hmm so what? So like Justin Bieber's out performing, but he might write one line. He's not writing like ninety nine percent of his songs. Like, mm-hmm. so but he knows where to go to to get his stuff too. Then too. Yeah, but I mean, also it means that you as a songwriter maybe have a higher standard, like have a yeah. more difficult job ahead of you. But yeah. at the end of the day, like but sometimes some people have to choose between one and the other too. You know, and then some people get lucky. They were starting out as a songwriter, then they become a performer. It goes both ways. I've seen it, like, like you just said. I mean, you get been famous, you know, becoming a singer, and then eventually they became a songwriter. You know, it's like or just even producing. You know, like yeah, like that yeah. uh, Dustin Cobb. Like he does uh-huh. stuff for like Jason Isbell. Oh Mark yeah, Weiss, like did his own stuff, but like he just gets better. He just does production and writing now. He doesn't really. Is there a favorite autobiography by a a band or an artist that you like? I haven't read like the big big ones. But, I mean, I did read the Bruce Springsteen one, like where he. Uh-huh. I forgot what it was called, uh, but it was like where he did the entire book. Like he did the audio book version. Like I need to pick that up and listen to it because like he apparently yeah. narrates the entire one. And he had an album come out for it too. Apparently, where it did like selections from. Uh-huh. And then talking about like semi-sonic ones again. Like I keep coming back to them because I think grossly, grossly underrated band. But uh, mm-hmm. their drummer wrote a book like "So You Want to Be a Rock Star." So it kind of talks about that whole thing. Wow, like, what's his name? Uh, Jacob Slichter. Okay. Like yeah. he, yeah. and I, I mean, the band's all back together. Their original three, but like he just talks about what's kind of like being like a one-hit wonder, so to speak. The kind yeah. of like going from playing in small clubs to like getting that deal of like all of a sudden you write a song that's like the quintessential like one-hit wonder of the '90s. Mm-hmm. Which obviously to me, like on that greatest song it is, not the best song on the album. You were release any of those other songs, people still might be talking about that more than that song. But mm-hmm. it just he talks about like what it's like, hey, like going on Letterman and things like that. It's, it's, oh, cool. it's been a while since I read it, but like it was just a real interesting yeah. kind of story talking about yeah. things you don't think about. It's like they were in their mid thirties when that album broke. They weren't like young guys, like yeah, because like some of the like artists that were before them, yeah, yeah, because like you look at like how you look at pictures of the Beatles when they first started out, like oh my god, like they're babies. Yeah, when we were growing up, it's like they looked older than you. They looked like oh my god, they must be like twenty or thirty in that picture. No, they're like eighteen. Yeah. 
Is there anything you'd want to promote? This can be anything that you feel important to you that you might want to get out there. Yeah, I mean, if you're just interested in music out there playing or just want to kind of meet like-minded people, I mean, there's always these jam nights. Uh, there's one at the Unimpaired Dry Bar in Davenport on Wednesday nights, usually from like 6.30 to 9.30. Uh, uh-huh. There's this one I met the Levi, who we had talked about earlier on in the podcast, uh, that's out at uh, my place in... Bettendorf slash Riverdale is kind of out near the, El- the old Alcoa. Uh-huh. And then basically just, yeah, I would just suggest if you're listening, go out and mm-hmm. go out and find any live jam. Just hang out and meet people. Uh, this is definitely a conversation I was really glad I had, man. <laughs> I really am glad you came and did this. Yeah, uh, I mean, Thank you for coming to do this, man. And um, hopefully we can have a part two. I mean... As long as this has been, there's probably like another oh, two or three volumes. We can go on, 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 on forever, and I know that. Um, I want to thank, this is John Turner, this is Johnny, and you've been listening to uh, Music Seeds, the music that made us. I want to thank everybody for listening, and uh, take care out there.